Excellent. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I'm a little tired. That's rude of me. I apologize. Well, <laughs> so rude. I know. Yawning on the show. Jesus. I'm also tired, so no worries. All right, cool. All right, man. So we're recording this first, even though people will hear it second. I guess we'll be run this one after the game episode, do you think? Yeah, this will probably be like, like we're recording it now, episode? but it'll be like a week and a half before people hear it, I think. <laughs> okay, so we're full on deep in the time loop right now, so that's fine. But Yes. Oh, man. Uh, you want to talk about random shit? I got like, I actually, we have questions. So I guess just to set this up, folks, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're confused, don't worry, we're also confused. I guess we should probably put a little preamble. We don't usually because we usually just have the banter after every episode, but because Corey is going to be unavailable for recording next week, we decided to buff up the game content, buff up the banter content, and then split them up so that you guys would have an episode to listen to on the week that we're not able to record. So this is the fill-in show. Uh, there might be some random game-related stuff, maybe, maybe not, oh, uh, there but this be. is basically... There oh, there will be, be. okay. Oh, yeah. There will be a little bit, <laughs> but this is not this is not the game episode, so if you're one of the people that hates the banter, you may want to duck out of this one, because it's going to be really banter-heavy, really rambly, uh, because like I said, this is just a fill-in episode until Corey gets back. Um, so a little bit of game talk, a little bit of rando stuff. I'm, we're probably going to talk about tacos, we're probably going to talk about a tacos. few other things, TV and movie, I'm sure. Uh, but that's what's going on. This is the fill-in episode, and we're going to just be rambling. So if you if you like the banter, you like the rambling, you like the personal side of things, this is your episode. If you don't, uh, fair warning. Listen if you like. If not, maybe come back next week. So that that sound pretty fair, Corey? Yeah, we're doing the Q&A stuff right here, though. Right? Oh, that's like, right. We are doing the Q&A. Because the Q&A is somewhat games-related. I mean, vaguely games-related. Yeah, sort of. I guess. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct. As always, Corey is keeping me on track here. Um, do you want to do Q&A first? So I guess the people who hate banter can hear that and leave? Or do you want to do banter first? Um, I want to do banter first because I am fired up about something, Brad. Okay, let's do banter. And then, folks, if you want to hear the Q&A, but you don't want to hear the banter, look in the show notes. Corey always puts those in there. He's so great about doing that. It's true. So, fair warning, banter first, Q&A afterwards. All right, Corey, you're on fire. Let's go. I am. And the good news is that the first item of banter I have is actually video game related. I want to talk about an unfortunate gaming experience that I had last night. So, I, as you already heard, because you will have listened to episode 134 last week, um... I wait only a minute. Have... What, wait, what episode are we doing today? Is it 135? I well, thought we were on 134. The Q&A is like technically 135, but the regular show Shit. we do will be 134. We're so deep in the time loop. We're already talking about an episode we haven't even recorded yet. Oh, my God. I know. I know. It's weird. Okay. Okay. But... Sorry. Sorry. I was, I was totally confused for a second. There, but go ahead. <laughs> so, um, okay. Hold on. Now I'm off track. Okay. So, as, <laughs> as you heard last week, this is wild. As you heard last week, I only had a couple games to bring to the show. And I meant to play another game, but I want to tell a tale of misfortune that happened here. So I got, last night, I got a Gamefly game in the mail because I sent Far Cry New Dawn back because I am a responsible adult and I sent both my copies back because they sent me two copies. Um, and I, they sent me Metro Exodus, which actually came out like months ago and it's just kind of been hanging out on my queue and it came in the mail last night. By the time you're listening to this, it probably came in the mail like a week and a half ago. So no, wait a minute. Is, is Exodus the newest one or is that yes. one of the older? Because there's like three so far, right? There are three and Exodus is the newest one. Okay. Okay. Just for clarification, that is the, okay, the open world one. Uh, I guess I haven't played it, so I don't know. Okay. Continue. 
Um, so, and to full disclosure, I have tried both of the other ones. I've tried Metro 2033 and then Metro Last Light, or is that what they're called? Yeah, it is. That's correct. You're correct. Okay. I, I've tried both of them. I actually have Patrick bought, I tried them, I think on the Xbox 360 and then Patrick bought the, like, that's not the HD collection, but it's like the remasters that are on PlayStation Totally. 4. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and I didn't, I couldn't get into either of them. I tried, I couldn't get into them, but you know, whatever. I, Metro Exodus came out. It's kind of like a somewhat big AAA title this year. So it's been hanging on, hanging out on my GameCube. Got in the mail last night and I thought to myself last night, oh, I'll like dip into this for like an hour or two so I can talk about it on the show. Well, it was a comedy of errors that happened last night. So first of all, it was late. It was like midnight and Patrick had just gone to bed and I was like, all right, Patrick went to bed. I had the living room to myself. I'll put this game in. I'll install it. I'll play it. So I put the game in. As soon as I put the disc in my PS4, it immediately is like, there's not enough room to install this game because every PlayStation 4 game is like 6,000 gigs big. So I had to go into my memory and delete. I deleted like two or three games so that I could install uh, Metro and then once I exit the storage screen, the game doesn't really recognize the disc anymore. So I check the disc, I put it back in. And then it takes this some, cause games take different amounts of time to install with the disc. Sometimes it's like 35 seconds. Sometimes it's like 20 minutes. And of course this was like a 20 minute game. So the game must be huge. Like, I don't know how big it is, but it must be very large. So it took like 20 minutes to install. And I'm just like playing on my phone in the living room. Meanwhile, keep in mind this, process started at like midnight and i'm wanting to go to bed around like 2 a.m or so okay, so i'm like okay right. i'll get like an hour an hour and a half of game time in i'll have all you know some early impressions for the show tomorrow so i put it in and it installs all the way and then you know there's an update that installs and everything and then whenever i go to play it i realize that there's a playstation software update for it too like the console software update of so course. of course because they're, they're all of course there always is and like there was just one like last week too and like usually like the playstation i find doesn't have that many software updates but for some reason they had like back-to-back -back software update weeks so i installed the software update no no here's what happened first i tried to play the game and whenever I pressed the button to play it, it was like, uh, this disc is unreadable. Please close the application and eject the disc. And I was oh, like, are yes. you serious? Oh, yes. So I eject the disc. I take it out. And then I think to myself, well, I'll update the software because that probably doesn't have anything to do with it, but I just want the PlayStation software to be updated. So I update the software and that takes several minutes because it has to update. The PlayStation has to turn itself off and turn itself back on. So it turns itself off. It turns itself back on. And instead of doing anything else, I just delete Metro off back off the PlayStation and I decided to just reinstall the whole thing. So I delete it and then I put the disc in. And as soon as I put the disc in, it's like, there's not enough memory on your PlayStation. And I was like, what the fuck? I literally oh, just deleted oh like four God. games. What? So oh I go God. in and I, and I had to like, I installed Metro and then I deleted it. So that space should have been reserved to reinstall Metro. I don't know if like the PlayStation has some kind of system where it takes like several minutes to finish deleting the data, like after the taskbar goes up or whatever. I have no idea. So I go in and I delete another game. I can't, I think I deleted, uh, my heart wept a little bit, but I deleted uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, which is huge. Oh, it's like, shit. I know, it's like 75 gigs, which is gigantic. It's like my third biggest game on the PlayStation because I have a bunch of DLC and stuff for it. Um, but I was thinking to myself, you know, if I ever play that again, I'll probably just boot it up on the PC and play it because I already have it installed on the PC. So I deleted it. And of course I can always reinstall it. So no big deal. So sure, I deleted, sure. deleted Deus Ex. 
I put the disc back in. It takes another like 20 minutes to install again. And then I press the start button to actually start the game once it's installed, once the update's installed. I get to, you know, you like turn the game on. It has like the splash screen for the developer, the splash sure. screen for the publisher. And then like it has the game engines that it's using. I get to like the game engine part, not even to the start screen. And the blue screen comes up and it's like, cannot read the disc, please eject and close the application. So Ugh. I press, and the only option you have whenever that, that dialog box comes up is to close it and eject the disc. And that's supposed to e trigger it to eject the disc without you actually pressing the physical button on the PlayStation. So I press the, I press that and the disc does not eject. So, I mean, luckily all I did was physically press the eject button and out came the disc. So I press the eject button, I pull the disc out again, and I turn the PlayStation off. I unplug every wire that's on the PlayStation. <laughs> I pick it up, I blow on all sides of it like it's a fucking Nintendo NES cartridge. Because there's, you know, like a little bit of dust on the sides. And I'm trying to do anything I can to make this fucking Corey's going work. old school, blowing off the thing, sure. Yes. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, really going back to my gaming roots here. So I do that, I kind of let the PlayStation sit for like 10 minutes, you know, kind of let it cool down, let it chill out while it's totally disconnected from everything. Let and the bad put, karma dissipate. Uh-huh. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this doesn't happen often, but it has happened before. Like, whenever I got God of War on the PlayStation 4, the same thing happened. I don't know if it's just, like, these gigantic games that are, like, really technical that I, I don't know what the deal is. And keep in mind, I have a PlayStation 4 Pro, so, like, I'm not even rolling with the original PS4. I have a Pro, which is supposed to be, like, better, supposed to be able to handle all this shit. So... I plug everything back in, I turn it back on, I put the disc back in, and I press start, and I get past all of the developer and publisher screens, and there's kind of one of those, like, intro videos before the start screen that has, like, it's kind of like an opening credit sequence, almost like a Bond sequence. Like, it says who directs the game, and it's, like, all these cool cinematics. I get probably halfway through that the blue screen comes up again. It's like, oh this application God. cannot be played. And like, I every time this happens, I wipe the disc off. I have a lint-free cloth next to my PlayStation 4. I wipe, the, and there's nothing on the disc. There's no fingerprints. There's no scratches. No, no. Your nothing. disc is fine. The disc is fine. So I put it back in and try it one more time, and I can't even access, it, it won't even get to the developer screens. It's just like, no, this won't work. And so I press the close application eject disc button. I press that and the disc does not come out. And then I press the eject button and the disc does not come out. Uh -oh. And so and so I'm facing like a minor problem here. And keep in mind at this point it's like 1:45 in the morning. Like I've been spending my hour and a half of playtime troubleshooting this goddamn game and I get to a point where I just want to turn I want to put the PlayStation to rest and then go to sleep because I don't have time for this anymore. So like I put the I go like the you know put to rest button or whatever rest mode and it has like that screen that pops up for like three seconds before the PlayStation goes to rest but this time the screen that pops up that's supposed to put it to rest is on the screen for like four minutes which never ever happens so the PlayStation is not actively going to rest it is still the loading screen that's supposed to load itself into rest and there's like a it literally says on the screen, like, do not pull any plugs. Like, do not disconnect the PlayStation 4. And I'm like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do if the PlayStation 4 is, like, literally frozen in it loading itself to sleep? Like, what is going on here? So eventually I just hold down the power button on the PlayStation 4 for, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 seconds or however long you have to hold it. 
to like manually shut the whole thing off. And luckily that worked. The PlayStation 4 went off, but I did not try it again. I did not try to eject the disc again and I just left it off and I was not able to play it last night after spending like an hour and a half trying to troubleshoot this stupid game. So now like I'm already mad at the game and like I already don't want to play it anymore because I'm like frustrated about the PlayStation. I'm frustrated at Gamefly even though it's probably not even their fault. And like, I don't even know what's going on here. So like, I really wanted to bring that third show to the game and get like a little bit of game time in with Metro Exodus. And now like my PlayStation, like I don't think my PlayStation is like fundamentally broken or anything, but like it just could not read this game and I don't know what the fuck is going on. And it was really frustrating. You know, so I've had this problem myself, and my son gets it all the time. Um, I'm actually surprised to hear that you're having this problem, because you've got a pro. And, I mean, when did you buy your pro? It was, like, last year you got your pro, wasn't it? Like, like fairly recently, right? Uh, it was about two years ago, roughly. Okay, but still, I mean, that's still pretty new in terms of, like, an electronic that you buy for your home, which everybody knows is supposed to be. I mean, not, I don't know if it's classified technically as like a durable good the same way that like a washing machine or a stove is <laughs> but i think everybody with two brain cells in their head figures that a console is going to last more than two years i mean unless you're running it like 24 7 doing some kind of weird like click farm thing with it or something i mean if you're using it like a normal person even a, even a even a hardcore gamer like ourselves i think that it's reasonable to expect that a console will last longer than two years um so I think I think what's going on, I don't know, you know, I'm not like a, a PS4, you know, electronics expert or anything, <laughs> but we've all had these same problems. And I think it's I think it's a problem with the disk drive, because, I mean, I take super good care of my stuff. Uh, nothing's ever happened to my PS4. My son takes excellent care of his. Um, we've never had any problems, never dropped it, never spilled water on it or anything. But like we've had the same problem. It comes up whenever we try to do a disk. So like because of that reason. I've actually been trying to shift more towards um, downloads because the actual hard drive is fine, but it's something about the disk reader. Uh, and I've, I've, I think we, I talked about this in the show before. Remember when I, I mentioned? Are you gonna talk you, about banging on the side of it? Is yeah, that what this is? yeah, <laughs> it totally works, dude. Like I have to do that with my sons because every time he wants to play, you know, Just Cause or whatever, like that we have that we have the disc for, it goes in and it's like does not read, and the disc is like pristine, dude. There's like nothing on. It's like a perfect mirror. No scratches, no dirt, no chicken grease, nothing like that. And it's just like you put it in, you bang on the top, and then it just catches and it goes. So I think it's, I think PS4 needs to step up their game with their fucking disc readers. I think that's really the problem here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll need to try the banging trick because I don't think I've tried that yet. But it is just incredibly disappointing. And I'm glad this doesn't happen often. Like, I think literally this and God of War, which came out in the middle of last year, are the only times it's happened but it's still just like fucking frustrating whenever all you want to do is just like sit down and you have like this one hour sliver of free time to play a game and like i'm also you know not to be all like high and mighty or whatever but like i'm also playing the game to try to provide a service to our audience to like talk about the game on the show so maybe if people haven't played it they can get some impressions or whatever and i can't do it and it makes me sad well, I appreciate all the hell you went through to kind of make that happen, and it's unfortunate, because <laughs> I was kind of curious about the game. I, I did play the first Metro, and I did like it, although I did think it was pretty bullshit how you got the, the best ending. Like, you're almost guaranteed to get the worst ending the first time you play, because the stuff you have to do is, like, really just, like, no one would ever figure that stuff out without an FAQ. Um, and I, I always meant to get back into it, because I did enjoy it, even though I don't play a lot of first-person games. I never got around to Last Line. I think I bought it, like, twice, I think, and I... Uh, I did not buy Exodus. I'm not sure. I may have it around somewhere. Maybe I haven't bought it yet. I don't know. But I meant to get to it. So 
I would like to hear your impressions. Um, maybe, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe, I mean, maybe you got to send in your PS4 to get repaired or <laughs> I don't know what. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's really what we should all do. Like, I feel like we should get a box of like your PS4, my PS4, my son's PS4, just bundle them all up, <laughs> send them in, get it all done at once and just get these discs working again, you know? Yeah, it reminds me of the god-awful days of the red-ringing Xbox, because I had an Xbox 360 that I think red-ringed twice, and, like, I literally... The only time in my life this has happened to me, I had to actually send it into Microsoft, and they fixed it and sent it back, and then it, like, broke down again, and then I think eventually my parents just bought me um, one of the Elites for my birthday, like, the cool, like, new, like, kind of glossy black Elites, like, later on down the road, which, I mean, you could argue maybe is, like... You know how Apple, like, people say that they, like, slow down their phones and outdate them after a year. I mean, you could argue that, like, maybe Microsoft is doing that with the Xbox. Like, oh, it's a shame that Xbox doesn't work anymore. It looks like you'll just have to buy an Elite, which, I mean, my parents bought it for me, so that was nice as a birthday present. But I just I just don't, I don't want to deal with it. I just want to buy, whenever you pay that much for something, it needs to just work. And that would be, that's the way it should be. I mean, I 100% agree, dude, 100% agree. It is, it is a pain in the ass for this not to work because, you know, as we know, the show is sponsored not sponsored by gamefly and we do gamefly all the time because who can pay 60 bucks every time a brand new i mean there's like 25 new games coming out every week no one you know i mean i'm not a microsoft executive i can't afford to buy that many games uh so yeah we gameplay all the time and i do play games on disc so i need that disc drive to work it's been a hassle and i don't know we're gonna have to do something about it i will say though Two red rings for the Xbox 360. You were not doing bad. I think I replaced mine six times. Oh, my God. Literally six times. It was just like this ongoing saga where I would get like, you know, I don't know, like six months or something out of a console. And it, and it was just like I would set it back and send it back and send it back and send it back. It was so frustrating. Um, and I, if it was any other console, I would have been like, fuck it, forget it. But, I mean, that was when the 360 was so far ahead of the PS3 and Sony just like fucked up so hard. I mean, 360 was where I was at, and if you weren't on 360, then you what were you even doing? Like, you know, you weren't playing games, so that was one reason I put up with it, but man, ugh, I remember those days, and it was awful, which is exactly why I've held off on sending in my PS4. I mean, I've got plenty of stuff to play. Otherwise, I could send my PS4 in, and it could be gone for a month, and I wouldn't even miss it, to be perfectly honest with you, but I just don't want to deal with it. It is just the biggest pain in the ass, so I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's really annoying, but I don't really have anything to say beyond that. I just, like, that was, like, the last thing I did before I went to bed last night. It's almost like when you, like, get in a fight with your partner and you go to bed angry. Like, that's how it was last night. I was just like, God damn it! I just want to, like, spend this hour that I have today playing this game so I can talk about it. And I'm genuinely intrigued with with the game, despite not having played or not having enjoyed the first two, the bits that I've played of them. Um, and I just was not able to, but that some sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Very true, very true. And on that note, I will say to people, don't ever go to bed angry with your partner. That is like the worst <laughs> thing in the world. I know it's not always possible to get problems resolved before you go to bed, but man, I, I you know, I've heard, I've heard that advice given many times and usually from like really old people who've been married for like 50 years or whatever. And I think that is definitely one of, one of the truisms of having like, or maintaining like a really good healthy relationship over a long period of time is like, and it sounds weird, but yeah, just don't go to bed angry with your partner. Like, work it out. Like, try to figure out something. Because if you go to bed on that shit, it just, like, it, it gnaws at you. You don't get a good night's sleep. You wake up in the morning, you're still crabby. And then it's like, the whole thing just drags out longer. Like, man, definitely get, do not go to bed angry with your partner. But if it's a PS4 that we're talking about, I guess you got stuff <laughs> all to do with that. So I guess you gotta, but anyway. All right, cool, cool, cool. 
Uh, let me let me take a turn here. I have a random whole big batch of uh, banter written down. I want to talk about tacos really quickly. Did you see my picture of tacos that I posted <laughs> yesterday? I think I briefly skimmed it. Oh man. Okay, so like we were okay. So my wife's been working crazy hours, really busy, super stressed out, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm burning out. I gotta like, oh, I need mental health emergency. Just I gotta do something." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." I'm like, "Just get off of work early. Just just." close your email just come on home we'll just go out to dinner can't really afford to right now but that's fine it's cheaper than sending my wife to a mental health place to cool off for the weekend uh i'm like just come we'll just go out to dinner we'll go watch a movie just like leave all your your work at work and we'll just have a night right so like she comes home and she's like okay what are we eating and i'm like well i don't know and my kid's like i want to eat tacos and I'm like <laughs> he doesn't usually ask for tacos that's pretty unusual um that he asked for that so i'm like okay well that's cool um but the interesting thing about Seattle is that I feel like the quality of restaurants has really dropped over the last few years. Um, we've kind of, we've done this thing in Seattle where there's so much money in the city because of Microsoft and Amazon and Google and all of these like new tech companies that everybody is like trying to cash in on that. But, and we're losing all of the stuff that used to be here. So like all the cheap hole in the wall places can't afford the rent anymore. All of like the mid range restaurants that were like good value for a good meal can't afford the rent anymore and so like we're getting all these like really kind of you get either like super upscale places that are pretty good but they're really really expensive so you can't really ever afford to eat there or you get these other places that are basically like strip mall restaurants but they also try to look upscale so like they're super expensive but the food you get is just dumb and i just it's it's seattle is getting really bad as far as restaurants i mean there's still a few good places around and the place of seattle uh the part that we live in uh, has been one of the hottest parts of Seattle for a long time. I mean, we didn't move here because of that. We just moved here before it was hot. And then it kind of like got hot around us, which was, I mean, not great because we're not landowners. So we're not like our, our property value doesn't matter to us. And it's got really busy. But like all these other restaurants popped up around here and people think like we live in this awesome hotspot for restaurants. But the fact is we have shit restaurants around here. They're all <laughs> really expensive. They're all mediocre. And they're just, they're all, a lot of them are really unfriendly to kids. Like, this used to be a really family-friendly place to be. Not so much anymore. Like, it's a lot of meat markets, it's a lot of bars, a lot of, play, you know, craft beer places. And, you like, you walk in and people, like, look down your nose if you bring a kid in with you because they expect your kid's, like, some kind of wild animal or something. So, I, I there's no good places around here. Um, we don't have a good burger place and we don't have a good taco place. We had a taco place. It closed because they couldn't afford the rent. We've never had a good burger place because they're all fucking these frou-frou $14 for this tiny little patty of meat and with pickles <laughs> on it. And it's like, I'm not going to pay $14 for a burger. And there's nothing special about it. Like, it's just, you know, you put a little dab of sriracha in the mayo. I'm not going to pay 14 bucks for that. I can do that my fucking self. So we've been really struggling with restaurants around here. Um, affordable restaurants. And so like my kids like, yeah, let's get tacos. And we're like, okay, okay. Well, I, I got to do a search now because we have no taco place. So up the road a little bit, there's this really sketch shabby looking like tobacco store it's like a tobacco store it's like a vape store it's like a energy drink store they probably sell cigarette wrappers they probably sell you know like all sorts of lighters that have like boobs on them like all this kind of weird <laughs> you know they sell like you know six hour uh erection medication at the counter or whatever <laughs> It's just like it's really shabby looking. It looks really fucking sketch. Like, like you look at it, you're like, "There's they got to be selling drugs in there. They got to be like hiding criminals in there because that place looks just like terrible." And I can't believe this place is still around because the place has really like gentrified 
in the rest of the area, but this place just keeps hanging on. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I've never been to that store. Every time I drive by it, I'm like, God, the place looks awful. I just like, I mean, I don't want to be like the dude that calls something an eyesore, but it is like an eyesore. Like, it's, <laughs> I hate that the store is in our neighborhood. Anyway, so there's a taco truck that is parked in the parking lot of this, like, drugstore or this, you know, and I say drugstore meaning, like, meth, not like, not like medicine or anything. Um, so, like, I'm driving by. And it's been there for a million years, and I've I've seen it. I've never stopped because everybody in the East there looks like they're a criminal, and I'm like, oh my god, this place. How is this even happening? What is going on? Um, but like, I'm, I'm googling for tacos, right? I'm like, where am I going to go? The, the kid wants tacos. Let's get some tacos. And like that place, the truck in the parking lot of the weird meth store <laughs> comes up. It's got like five fucking stars, dude. Of course I'm like, it what does. The, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? How does this fucking place have five fucking stars? It's like this broken ass truck missing one wheel in the fucking parking lot of a, like a like a crack dealer like what is going on <laughs> so but like it gets like really good reviews and like all the reviews are like oh my god i never would have believed it oh my god like don't you know judge a book by its cover and all this stuff i'm like oh man i'm like okay cool i got nothing else i got no other fallback there's nothing else to do i'm like all right we're going to the we're going to the crack corner we're going to get some tacos and uh hopefully not get solicited by anybody or not get arrested for something so we drive up to the place we park behind the the tobacco store and I'm just, I get out and I'm like, Oh man, I feel like someone's going to mug me or something. Like this is feeling like super not safe. Uh, and just to be clear, it was the tobacco store that was skipping me out, not the taco truck. So <laughs> I'm like, whatever, let's get some tacos and to go, you know? So like we go around, walk to the front. So we, you know, they have like a bunch of stuff on the menu and the people that work there, I mean, super friendly, but they barely spoke English. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I could sort of speak Spanish. Like, 30 years ago when I was in high school. I mean, maybe I could remember a few words and they, you know, they had a few words of English. So we kind of like, you know, I was pointing to something on the menu and they were like, Oh yeah. 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 Like, you know, we worked it out. We worked it out. It was fine. Uh, so I ordered some tacos, the wife ordered some tacos and the kid got a burrito. And I posted that picture yesterday. Uh, and I got to say like when that plate arrived, I was like, Oh my God, this is like a beautiful plate of tacos. Like it is picture perfect. I was like, Holy shit. The presentation on this for a taco truck is off the chain. And so we sit down. I got a beef taco. I got a chicken taco. And I got a pork taco. And I got to say, Corey, all three of those tacos were fucking delicious. Like, it was super good. I was like, oh, I, I was looking at the wife. I'm like, God damn, this is, a good, this is good, right? It's not just me. This is really good. She's like, yeah, this is really good. I'm like, oh, my God, this is really good. I mean, we cleaned our fucking – I was full, and I, like, I couldn't stop eating because it was so good. I'm like, I can't let any of this go to waste. This is delicious. Uh, the kid scarfed his, his burrito. He thought it was delicious. Ironically, he wanted tacos, but he got a burrito, so go figure, right? Uh, and it was great. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, the best Mexican food I've had, like, in a while. We're totally coming back here. <laughs> so – uh, I mean, I guess it's true. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge the taco truck by where it's parked because, <laughs> man, that was the best Mexican food I've had in quite some time. Uh, I was really glad we stopped. And, I mean, still sketchy as shit, but, dude, those tacos were so good. I would I would risk it again to go back and get those tacos. Well, that's like, that's like textbook, like always how it is, right? It's always like the gross like hole in the wall restaurant that has like a half lit sign that's been there for 600 years or, you know, in this instance, like the food truck that's been in like the weird part of town or that's in the weird parking lot or whatever. It's always that place that has like the best food and you want to send like 
a SWAT like bomb inspector robot totally, in to get dude. your food for totally. you. But it's always the best food. And then it's always like the really pristine, like brand new places where it's like pretty mediocre. And then like the old gross places always have the best stuff. That is so true. I mean, there was my favorite teriyaki place. It's not there anymore, but it was there for a million years. It was really close to Seattle University. And it looked like you couldn't even tell it was a restaurant, dude. It was just like a door in a building. And like you would see people line up and like, what the fuck is in there? Like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, and you go inside and like there was literally like on the wall, they just wrote on the wall and it just said like chicken, pork or beef. Like that's all it said. <laughs> like that's all it was. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And like I ordered one time and it was like bomb ass teriyaki. Like it was so good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they gave you like a ton too. Like it was a huge plate and it was like super cheap. I'm like, oh my God, I'm totally coming back here. Uh, but yeah, like exactly so. Like it's like all of the good places like that, all the good holes in the wall, all the good places where people can actually cook. And the taco place that closed in our area before we found this taco place, also really good, also a hole in the wall, but they can't afford to be in Seattle anymore. So it's fucking killing me, dude, because I love good food. You know, I love to eat. And it's like, I only want to go to places where it's great. And like, the great places are just not here anymore. Like I, I just can't stomach paying $32 for a plate of fucking mediocre pasta. They could cook easy, you know, better on my own stove, you know, like, so I think the Seattle food scene is really in the toilet and these good places that I find are getting really hard to find. And honestly, if we really want to like, just have a weekend of like good food, we go down to Portland, dude, because Portland's restaurant scene is really just amazing. So many good trucks, so many good places. Uh, Portland is really putting Seattle to shame, which is strange because I think Seattle originally had a better reputation, but that is absolutely not true these days. Portland is where it's at and Seattle sucks, but I do love this taco truck. And, um, you know, also speaking of which, you know, we had been struggling for a good burger place for a long time. Have you heard of, uh, habit burger? I have not. I had never heard of it either, but apparently it's a thing. I, I mean, I don't know. I've never crossed paths with them before. They just opened up, uh, near my house and we have like a bunch of really shitty burger places around us. Like I said, the $14 burger and they're all like, there's all these just really, really shitty places that I would go to once and never, ever, ever want to go to again. Uh, but habit burger, I guess is a chain. It just opened up. That was the first time I'd ever been to it. And I got to say, it was really good. We, I had a chicken sandwich with uh, bacon and some avocado. I mean, pretty standard, but it was really well done. Like it was reasonably priced and it was delicious. Um, they had a lot of good options, really good uh, milkshakes. And they had like a, a tuna, a tuna steak option, which I thought was really cool and unique. And, uh, it was great. You could like pick the kind of bread that you wanted and there's a whole sorts of different toppings. So, I mean, not the best burger in the world, but pretty good. Like one that I would eat again. And it was so cheap. I was really surprised at how affordable it was. So I will definitely go back there. And, uh, and the people who go there tell me that it's one of their favorite places. So I don't know where they're from. I mean, maybe they're from California or something. They've never been around here before, but habit burger, Seems pretty cool. I think that's going to be our new burger place, and this taco truck is for sure going to be our new Mexican place. Yeah, I've never heard of that, so maybe it's definitely not something that I think exists anywhere that I've lived, like Midwest or the South now, so it must be special for you guys. I guess, I guess. All right, what do you got? Uh, what I got a bunch more stuff, but let me turn it back over to you, man. What else you got in your banter plate? Um, did I, I can't remember if this happened before or after we recorded last week, but whenever we talked last week, did I tell you about getting pulled over? Pulled over? No, I don't remember that. Okay, I must, and this must have been after the fact then. Um, yeah, so last week I am driving home from work. I run to Target. I run to Walmart because the stuff that I wanted at Target wasn't there. And I'm coming home and I get about two blocks 
away from my house and there is a police SUV behind me and it turns its fucking lights on. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, shit. what do I do? I wasn't speeding like I was told because I'm like, literally, this is the first time I've been pulled over, I think in like 10 years. Like it's been a very, very, I think the last time I got pulled over, I was like 19 or 20. Um, and so, you know, and I, I don't panic or anything, but I'm immediate because I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. So, you know, I pull over onto a side street and I pull over and the cop like comes up to my window and he's like older and he's like nice or whatever. Cause you know how some, I mean, police are the police as a whole, I'm not really a fan of, but you know, some can be like aggressive jerks, but he was like nice, I guess. And so he comes up and he's like, he's like, Hey, you're, uh, your two middle brake lights are out. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't know that. So thank you for letting me know. And he was like, is your, uh, you know, is your car insured? And do you have your license? And I was like, yeah, of course. And so like, I pull out my wallet and I give him my license and I give him my insurance card because I keep it in my wallet. And then, you know, I know that they always ask for registration, but for some reason, like I was in this like heightened state of, I don't know, just like, I wasn't panicked, but it was just like, this, I like kind of like lost touch with reality for a second because I was in a situation that I'm not usually in and I was just like a little bit flustered. And so he asked me for registration and I, um, and so I immediately panic and I'm like, what, like, what do you need? And he's like, do you have like your, your plate registration? And I'm like, oh, so like I opened my glove box and of course in my glove box, I have every maintenance receipt that I've ever had done to my car for the past like six years. And so I'm like trying to like get through them because I know the thing is in there somewhere. I just can't find it. And he, you know, he's like, well, I'll give you a minute to look, you know, I'll be right back. And so he goes to his car and, you know, runs my license or whatever. And, and so I look it up and I finally find it in there. And then, you know, he comes back to the car and I give it to him. And then he, I get out of the car so he can like press on the brakes and I can see what he's talking about. Cause obviously when you're driving a car, like you don't look at the back of your car, you, you can't look at the back totally. of your car while you're driving. Physically impossible. Yes. Yeah, so like, how was I supposed to know? So I felt like I was in a pretty good place. So like I get out of the car, he sits down and he like presses on the brakes. And in my car, there's like, cause I drive a, a Honda Fit, which is kind of like a, I think you would call it like a sport wagon. Like technically it has like a hatchback and it's not just like a regular, like Ford or car with a trunk. And so I have like the brake light that's on my back windshield that's on the top. And then I have four on the back of my car. There's like one in the middle. And then there's underneath that, there's like the reverse, the white reverse light, the yellow blinkers. And then underneath that, there's two other red lights. And so he was like, well, do you see how your middle lights aren't lighting up when I press the brakes? And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, I probably should get that fixed. And so he like gets out of my car and I'm like really, really hoping that he's gonna be like, okay, we'll just go get it fixed. But of course he fucking writes me a ticket. So he like writes me the ticket and he's like, well, this is just a non-moving violation. He was like, it's not a big deal. He was like, and maybe it's just a fuse that's out in your car or something. He was like, but you know, just go get it looked at. And then he like hands me the ticket on his little notepad for me to like sign. And I, I like literally like don't know what to do. So like I look at him and I'm like, well, he, he like points to the, there's like a court date on it. And he like points to the court date and he's like, well, this is your court date. And I look at him and I'm like, well, what am I, like, I was like, I don't know, like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do in this situation. And he's like, well, this is your court date. You can go to court. He was like, or here's the number and you can call this number and give them this ticket number. He was like, and they'll tell you how much it's going to be because I don't know how much it is. And I was like, okay. So I take the ticket, I go home and I didn't go to a maintenance shop that day because I was feeling resentful about the whole situation. <laughs> so, so like, you know, classic me. Um, and so like I get home and I, 
the next day, the next morning, whenever I get in my car, I like get in my car to go to work and I decide, and this, I got pulled over at like two in the afternoon. So like I, and my car does not have automatic headlights. I have to manually flip them on in my car. So I, you know, just for kicks, I like flip my headlights on and I'm like, well, I just want to look at the back of my car real quick. So I like turn my car on, I put the headlights on, I go out behind my car and take a look and I don't think my brake lights are out. I think that this cop did not understand the anatomy of my taillights. And the two red lights in the middle are like my red taillights that come on whenever I turn my headlights on. And my brake lights are the ones that were functioning, the ones that were the two bottom red ones and then the one that's on my back windshield in the middle. So like, I think that I got a ticket for something that is that there, I don't even think there's anything wrong with my car because I still, and this is partly my fault, have not taken it to a shop to get it looked at. I haven't taken it anywhere. Like I need to just run it up to AutoZone and be like, hey, can somebody come out here and like verify this? Because like, I don't know the anatomy of all of my car's lights because I'm not a mechanic, but the lights work. The ones that he said didn't work, work, and they weren't on at the time because I didn't have my headlights on, but he thought they were brake lights that were malfunctioning. So, so now... He thought, he thought your running lights were the brake lights, and so the running lights didn't come on because your lights weren't on, your yes. headlights weren't on, yeah. but the brake lights did work, so, okay. I yeah, got, I so, because he was behind me, and whenever I, like, I guess I was braking at a red light or braking to turn or whatever, and he saw that only three of my five red lights came on in the back, and he thought that the other ones that didn't come on were brake lights, but they were really just, yeah, my running lights because I didn't have my headlights on at the time because it was like 2 p.m. Why would I have my headlights on? Exactly, exactly. So now, and of course, I still haven't called the number. I mean, my court date is not until August 1st, so I literally have like a couple of months before I even have to report for this. But if I call them and figure it out and I pay it, because if you pay it, that technically means you're like pleading guilty to whatever happened. But like, I didn't really do anything wrong here. So like, I have to figure out like, I mean, I'm sure I can just call them and ask, but I was talking to Patrick about this. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, because what if like my brake lights really were out and then I got them replaced and then I try to go to the shop and be like, or go to court and be like, oh yeah, the cop just didn't know what he was talking about. Like, cause it's totally like my word against his. And I don't know like how that's going to like work out or if yeah, I'm going to be able to like, prove They it. never take your word over the cops. Just, I'll just tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah. I, f- I mean, I figure that, but I'm just like frustrated now because like, I got pulled over, I got a ticket, and, like, literally the cop didn't know what he was talking about, so there's nothing wrong with my car, and now I have to figure out how to navigate this if, like, I I don't even know, like, maybe I can just be like, oh, can you guys, like, call this police officer and he can come back and look at my car, like, I don't even know, but it's just, like, annoying because I shouldn't have even been pulled over in the first place, and now I'm, like, stuck with this ticket. I mean, you know, granted, it's a non-moving violation, so it's certainly, like, even if I have to pay it, it's probably, like, not going to be the end of the world. But it's just, like, I... This whole situation is because he didn't know what he was talking about, and now I'm stuck with the ticket, and, like, I feel like my chances of clawing my way out of this are pretty slim to none. So I guess I'll, you know, keep everybody updated on the process, you know, as my court day comes up, but it's just the whole thing is not... I'm not pleased about this, to say the least. Well, I mean, ordinarily, I would say you're going to get fucked, just pay the ticket and move on with your life. But you do have a good point, because if this cop is misunderstanding what your taillights look like, and I'm sorry, a Honda Fit, it's not like you imported some kind of weird, you know, obscure custom made German (laughs) car or something. It's like a regular car that you see on the road. So, I mean, maybe he, you know, I I mean, I see the problem with this 
is the judge is going to hear your story and he's going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You think a cop doesn't know what brake lights look like? <laughs> he's going to like totally be like, yeah, whatever, dude, pay your fucking fine. And then here's an extra $15 for wasting my time. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's kind of tough, but I think that you do have kind of a good point because if this guy misunderstood what your car's lights look like, I mean, honestly, if I were you, I mean, this is kind of weird, but like I would probably call your dealer and see if anybody else who has a car in your area has had the same problem. Maybe, maybe the way that the car is designed is making it not look effectively, or maybe it's not up to code or something like that. I mean, pretty random because I'm sorry, Honda makes cars like they, they just make cars. They know how to make cars, right? <laughs> They're not going to get the taillights wrong. Give me a fucking break. But I mean, maybe there's something about this particular model. Maybe they're not as bright as they should be, or maybe they're not wired correctly. Or I don't, I mean, it just, the whole thing seems really fucking weird. I mean, it's also possible the cop had been like knocking a few back and he decided oh to God. stop you for shits and giggles. I mean, who knows? Right. Cause like getting stopped for brake lights that don't work. And then you look and your brake lights work is like so crazy. And I guarantee the judge is not going to fucking believe you. Cause he's going to think like, what do you think? Hey, I'm stupid. You think the cop couldn't see your brake lights? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like when I, I mean, I've, I've gotten a ticket before. I, I, I am not a speeding person. I got a ticket a while ago um, for God, what was it? I got a couple of tickets. Like, okay. So like one ticket was for like speeding in a school zone, but like the, the sign for the school zone was behind a tree that hadn't been trimmed. So I couldn't see that the sign was there because it was covered by, by branches. <laughs> uh, yeah. The judge is like, yeah, whatever. And like, you know, he's like, yeah, thanks for coming in. I hear what you're saying, uh, but you were still you were, you still were speeding that speed, weren't you? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I couldn't see the sign. Yeah, but you were going that fast, weren't you? Well, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, pay the ticket. Okay, fine, whatever, just let me go. Um, so I mean, it might be worth it to go in and and you know maybe talk to the dealer to see if there's been common complaints. Maybe take a picture. Maybe get a verification letter from a shop saying nothing wrong with the car. But at the same time, I mean, do you, you don't know how much the ticket is, do you? I don't because I have not called yet. I'm nervous it's going to be like $8 billion, but they're probably like, oh, it's like $35. So I don't know how much it's going to be. It's probably going to be like 30 bucks or something. And then you're going to have to take like half a day off of work to go to court. You're going to sit around for like an hour. The judge is going to call you in. It'll be like five minutes. He's going to like roll his eyes at you and then like send you on your way. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, dude. I mean, if it wasn't for your car functioning properly, this would be a whole different story. But I think that, yeah, I mean, I do think you are correct in thinking... I don't want to be pulled over again because my car is, is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. So, man, I guess just let us know. Let us know what's going on. I have kind of a similar similar story. I got a parking ticket a while ago, and it was a, a ticket for having an abandoned vehicle, which <laughs> here's what happened. And it was parked in front of my house, right? So, like, what happened is I was, going to, I was doing a lot of night shifts at that time. I was leaving to do night shifts at a nearby um, gig, and so... I would leave at probably, I don't know, eight o'clock at night, wouldn't get back until, I don't know, like maybe like four in the morning. Right. So like every time the motherfucking parking attendant came by, he saw my parking, my car oh, man. in the same spot. Right. Cause like, cause like I was leaving after everybody had come home. So nobody stole my spot and I was getting back, you know, so like my spot was always available because no one was like driving down that street when I was driving down there. Cause no one was keeping those hours. So like, I parked in the same spot every day. And so the guy, you know, or, or lady or whoever, the parking attendant uh, officer kept seeing my car in the same spot every day. So she thought it was abandoned. And I'm like, I'm parked in front of my fucking house and I'm working the night shift. So, I mean, I had to, uh, luckily I got that one waived, which was fine because I explained it to the, um, the judge and he's like, okay, that's fine. But like, you know, and it, it, it's like, it was bullshit because even though I was legit not abandoning the car, 
He's like, well, just park in a different spot every couple days just so they don't give you a ticket. I'm like, but that's, why should I have to do that? Because <laughs> I'm not breaking the law. I'm not doing anything, but your fucking attendants don't know any better. So, I mean, uh, another pain in the ass where, like, a law-abiding citizen like me, like you, not doing anything wrong has to deal with this situation because of the man, you know? like it's fucking The man. So, the man. Fuck the man, man keeping us down. God, seriously, dude. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, let us know how this goes. Let us know what happens. Further, further developments. Keep us posted. I will do that. All right. Let me let me talk for a minute here. We went to go see Godzilla yesterday. Godzilla, King of Monsters. Uh, before we get to that, there were a couple trailers beforehand. Um, so it's me, the wife, and the son. We're going to see Godzilla. Friendly family kaiju movie. You're you know buildings knocked down, whatever. And I was really disturbed by a couple of the trailers that were playing before <laughs> Godzilla. Um, this seems to be more and more of a thing these days. The first trailer was for um, It Part 2. I don't know what the actual title is. I mean, I, I might want to see it because because I'm a horror guy, but I don't necessarily think that the people who are seeing Godzilla have very much crossover with people who are seeing It. I think those are different demographics. And I got to say the trailer. Have you seen the trailer for It where... Um, Jessica Chastain is like going yeah. to see that old lady. That trailer is bananas in the best way, but it is that, scary. It's freaky AF, dude. <laughs> and my kid got freaked out and he was like closing his eyes in the oh trailer. My God. And I'm like, this is not cool. We're coming to see a big fucking lizard. We're not coming to see these psycho weird ghost killer naked lady running in the house thing. That was a really scary trailer. Too scary for Godzilla. So I was really upset about that. Um, the other trailer, have you seen the trailer for the new Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. I have, and I am over stories about white men going crazy because they're lonely and bored. We have enough of that in the real world. Dude, 1,000% agree, okay? So, like, we're watching the trailer. That trailer is fucked up. And if, I mean, I was I was already not going to see that movie, but that trailer made me 1,000% mega not want to see that movie because, just like you said, it was like some crazy white guy who like has a mental break turns into a psycho like i mean i'm sorry but the joker is a fucking villain okay like he's there's nothing complicated about him he's crazy he wears clown makeup he kills people in brutal gross ways and that's the joker i've just told you the entire story of the joker in like five seconds right there we don't need anything deconstructing his psyche we don't need to understand him better we don't need to glorify him and this movie looks fucking gross and dirty and weird and like after the trailer I turned to my wife and I'm like, I feel dirty and violated from after watching that fucking trailer. Like I, that trailer was gross. And I was like, and again, my kid was like, had to close his eyes during that trailer. Cause it was just like weird and disturbing. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be psychologically traumatized when I come to see a fucking Godzilla movie. People, <laughs> can we just get this straight, please? Oh man. I mean, I just was like, yeah, I don't know why anybody's making that fucking movie. That is just weird. And just really just, mm out of step with the times right now. I don't think, like you said, I don't think we need more movies about crazy white guys losing their shit and killing people. So no, thank you. Um, so Godzilla, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Um, it's okay. It was all right. <laughs> I gotta Bringing say, I was, I mean, I know. I mean, I loved the last Godzilla. I thought it was really good. I also loved the last King Kong, uh, Skull Island. That was really good. I thought that was very good. And so those two are kind of vaguely connected by certain threads, like canonically. So there's there's a, definitely a link there. Uh, and so I was excited about King of Monsters because I like Godzilla movies, like kaiju movies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was a little bit long. I think that there was maybe like a half an hour that could have been cut out of it where it was just like 
people talking about stuff and I'm like, I don't really care and it's not really that great. I mean, people were saying the human element was not that well done. I mean, agreed, but that's not really what I come to these movies for, right? I just need barely enough plot to get me from one monster scene to the next. That's all I really need. Um, but they spent a lot of time being like really, like really serious. And I'm like, man, I could totally use a couple jokes like Marvel style. I could use just a little bit of a wink and a nudge, a little bit of a chuckle. Um, there was like maybe like three jokes in the whole movie and they were not big jokes. They were just kind of like tossed off in the background and they just moved on really quickly. Like there was no big laughs or anything. And it's like in a movie about giant monsters that are beating the shit out of each other, you can't really take it all that seriously. And they really spent a lot of time trying to build up like, like this really just like unnecessary mythology. Like, I think it's okay if Godzilla shows up and you're like, what the fuck? There's a big lizard here. Oh my God, let's run away. You don't need to like figure out where he came from or why he's there or like what his origin story is. It's like, he just shows up and you just deal. That's just life. Like it's just Godzilla is a thing that happens. You move on. And they spent a lot of time really trying to like lay in this like backstory that kind of like looped into like ancient myths and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh man, like this is, I mean, it's, it's not terrible, but like, I really don't need it. And it's really like slowing the movie down. I wish you would just get back to the monsters punching each other. <laughs> uh, but when the monsters were punching each other, that was pretty badass. Like the special effects were pretty good and like, like really epic, like huge, huge shit going down. So I thought that was pretty cool. The monsters part was really good, but God, it just was so, too serious and also too dark for some reason i felt the entire movie was very dark like in terms of lighting uh, and cinematography and stuff like just really really dark all the time um so i wasn't a huge fan of that but overall i mean it was fine i honestly think i might have enjoyed the first godzilla a little bit more just because it was kind of more epic when he showed up um and it was kind of more surprising and more they just didn't have nearly like the setup you know they were just like in reaction mode rather than you know, talking about like how this connected to the ancient Sumerian myths and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I could not give less of a shit about that stuff. <laughs> um, one other comment though was like, so like I said, this was kind of the day that we were taking my wife out for a mental, mental health break. And I'm like, we're just going to go to the theater. I'm not going to plan it. Like whatever the next show is, we'll just go to the next show. And if we need to kill some time, that's cool, which is what we did. But it just so happened that the next showing that we went to was going to be like an IMAX showing. And I don't usually pay for IMAX. I don't really care about it. But, you know, we were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. I'm like, whatever, we'll just pay for IMAX tonight because we're here now and I don't want to wait another hour. So we go into the theater and like, it's the, the IMAX, I mean, what is your, what is like, if I was to say, Corey, please tell me what an IMAX movie is. How would you describe it? Um, it's a movie with like an extra large screen. Like how much extra large? Oh, geez. Like twice the size of a regular movie screen. See, that's what I would think too. That's, if you had asked me, that's literally what I would have said. And we got into that IMAX screen. It was maybe, maybe four feet wider. Like, it, <laughs> it was just a hair wider, like a little bit wider. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like the same screen. And my wife is like, well, look, it kind of curves on the end. I'm like, okay, so there's like two extra feet on each side. And like, we're not talking TV screens, folks. We're talking movie screens where the thing is fucking 50 feet wide already. So the difference between 52 feet and 50 feet is not a big difference. I'm like, what is going on? This is, is this the IMAX thing? And like, yep, this is it. I'm like, okay, this is okay. Maybe like technically this is an IMAX screen. It is not an IMAX screen. So I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to ask for money back. We're just here to just to detach from life. Right. We will see some monsters. We sit down. And like the other thing about this particular theater, it was so 
fucking loud. It was just really loud. I was like, we had to take um, napkins from the concession stand and stuff them in our fucking ears because it was like so loud. I mean, my kid was like holding his head like it was going to split. And like he was talking to me. His head was like one foot from my head. I couldn't hear a thing he was saying. I'm looking directly. I'm trying to lip read him and I could not. I'm like, I can't hear you. Just stop talking. I'll talk to you in two hours because I can't hear anything you're saying. It was just so fucking loud. So not the optimal experience with the tiny, tiny IMAX screen and the mega loud, you know, sound system, which did not enjoy, enhance my enjoyment at all. Um, but okay. I mean, it was okay. It was a guard. I mean, not the best Godzilla movie, not the worst Godzilla movie. I, I did dig the monster parts, but the rest of it needed a trim and, oh my God, it just needed a few more laughs or something. So anyway, there is uh, my theater going experience with Godzilla King of Monsters. So the thing, I have two specific things I want to say in response to the right. Godzilla situation. So Godzilla is one of those things, and I guess you could rope like King Kong and maybe like other kind of big monster movies into this, but I like specifically Godzilla though is one of those things where like, you know, we get one of these movies every like six years or something, um, like Godzilla specifically. And every time one comes out, like I was ne- I personally was never, ever, ever into like big monster movies like this. And every time one comes out and the sort of, like, excitement that, like, bubbles up on my, like, Twitter feed and everything, I have the same reaction to it that I have whenever I find out that grown men are into, like, professional wrestling on TV. (laughs) I just have this reaction where, like, I'll see this movie come out and I'll see people being really excited about it. And I'm just like, like people really like these, like people really get excited about these movies. Like, and I think the same thing about professional wrestling. Like when I see like diehard wrestling fans on my Twitter feed, I'm just like, wow, like people really like this stuff. Like this is a real thing. And I know that wrestling is like a huge deal, but like, I, oh, I was just never into it because I think it's so cheesy and I think it's ridiculous. And, like, I know that the athletes and the wrestlers that are in it, like, they're doing a lot of work. But ultimately, the whole thing is, like, fake. And I just I just think it's really silly. And I have the exact same reaction to both of them. Like, when a monster movie comes out, I'm like, wow, like, people really are amped about this. Like, that's really surprising to me. Same thing with wrestling. And the other thing I want to say kind of in response to you talking about them going to the backstory. The thing that bothers me about this, and it goes to like any genre really is like, there's this idea that there is something that is somewhat of a mystery. Like you have this mysterious creature, this works well in horror movies. Like you have like uh, an antagonist that you don't know where they came from or whatever, but they're there to, you know, murder all the sex having teenagers or whatever. And the more that a movie or a TV show or a, you know, a narrative medium sort of like, delves into the background of that character or kind of like revealing the character or or showing who they are or where they came from or whatever like the more you reveal the mystery or like the more you reveal about the character the less mystery there is about the character therefore the less interesting the character is because like the only thing i think i don't know if i'm going to be able to word this correctly like the thing that makes a mystery interesting is the fact that you don't know a lot about it. And then once you know a lot about it, it's no longer an interesting thing. And it sounds like that this is kind of the same thing that's happening with this movie. Like Godzilla and these other giant monsters are like these mysterious creatures and that kind of gives them like a cool edge. But then if you have like a movie like this where it just like goes at length to try to describe like where they came from or its origin or whatever, like instead of just like spilling all the beans, like, 
hold some of the cards close to your chest because the more the less you know about something, the more interesting it is. And I, I hate whenever movies or even video games do this too, like where something is really interesting and then you suddenly find out what the thing is and the movie like blows its load trying to tell you everything about it. And then suddenly it's not interesting anymore because you know everything about it. And then all of a sudden it's just this boring thing that you know everything about. And I don't like when uh, when like movies or games or any like stories do that. It's just really it's really disappointing to me. Yeah, I mean, I largely agree. I like 90, 98% agree. <laughs> um, and I think you're generally right. And I think the problem is that we are so good as creatures um, about filling in the blanks, about, you know, imagining what the answer could be, that the stuff that we come up with in our own heads is like 98% of the time better than what the writers come up with. I mean, there's 2% of the time when I'm like, oh, shit, that was brilliant. I love that. Or, you know, like there's some reveal that I that I think is really amazing. Uh, but that's, like I said, 2% of the time. 90% of the time, it's like, oh, that's what it was or whatever. Or like, and you're right. I mean, you're right. Like, I think it's fine that these giant fucking monsters as big as like uh, a 100-story building show up out of the ocean and you don't know what the fuck they're from. I mean, or, you know, like radiation. Okay, good. That's all the explanation <laughs> I need. Like radiation shit happened. We were fucking with nature. Boom. Like, good. I'm good on that. And like, yeah, the stuff they came up with was really lame. And I just was like didn't need it and I, I agree that having that air of mystery makes makes almost anything just like one degree cooler because you just don't know and like there's so many it's like it's like the the schrodinger's cat of like backstory you know like it could be really cool or it could be stupid but as long as you don't talk about it like you still don't know like you just don't know what's inside the box right and the second you open it you know but i think that for a lot of properties keeping that box closed and just keeping it a mystery is probably better and uh, more interesting than not. So, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think about uh, this a lot whenever I think about Lady Gaga because whenever she was, like, on her ascent into fame, she's very, like, mysterious and would wear all this, like, avant-garde fashion and, like, half the time she was out, like, in the press and the paparazzi were covering her, she, like, wasn't even wearing pants and you just, like, <laughs> wanted to... And she was, she was, like, an artiste. Like, she... She was able to, like, perfectly, like, lasso the press and the entertainment industry and really, like, had full command of, like, keeping her mystery and her, like, rise to the top. And then, like, the longer she was famous, and, I mean, this kind of happens with a lot of pop stars. I imagine, like, the same thing happened to Madonna or so back in the day. But, like, the more albums she released and the more, like, press she did and the more she inherently tried to, like, humanize herself and maybe, like distance herself from like the weird character she was as she was like rising to fame the less interesting she became like i do like you know i can get down with lady gaga and like combat boots and a crop top and like waist you know like high-waisted shorts but like give me like lady gaga and like 15 inch platform stiletto high heels and like a ridiculous avant-garde dress and like a hat that has like a full face piece that covers half her face and like give me that and that's like way more interesting than like humanized like jean shorts lady gaga any day and i wish that she could like revert <laughs> back to like the mysterious rise to fame lady gaga and but yeah. now that she's been like humanized she can like never go back to being mysterious and i prefer like the mystery of somebody than knowing a lot about them and unfortunately because she's been in the public eye for so long she has just She's no longer mysterious, and it's uh, it's really unfortunate. I mean, I don't think you can live a life of mystery for, like, your entire life, but I just wish that she could reclaim some of that mystery. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to that, especially, like, especially with performers. I mean, I think that's kind of a very special class of person or a very special, like, 
like profession that you need to be in. So I, I get what you mean about meat dress Lady Gaga being more interesting <laughs> than Stephanie who wears uh, you know sweatpants on the weekend and does her dishes by hand. I mean that's kind of not not the same uh, punchiness there. So I totally get you for sure. Uh, it kind of makes me think of that art uh, singer. Her name is like Sia, I think. Is, uh, oh, yeah, wears, who like, has like the wig. Yeah, like she like face. barely ever shows her face and she like wears wigs all the time. I, she seems to be kind of like following that kind of secretive kind of path. Same thing with those, um, oh, those guys that wear those masks all the time. There's a couple of people that wear masks these days, like the marshmallow guy or those guys. Oh, the two, the two yeah. of them that had a couple of big hits. I'm, I'm like, whatever. People know what I'm talking about with the, uh, <laughs> the, kids. the robot, the, kids the robot know. face. The kids know. <laughs> kids, you know, those guys with the robot faces that play like the electronic music, whatever they're called. I don't remember. All right, dude, I'm looking at the clock. We have Q&A to get through. I think we should probably wrap up banter, get to Q&A, if that is OK with you. I am all about it. All right. Banter's out of the way. Hopefully, folks, you're enjoying our uh, Tide You Over episode so far. And now we're going to get a little bit more structured into the Q&A section of this week's show. Uh, we have a number of questions from people. We're just going to hit them right now. Corey, have you seen the questions beforehand? Do you have answers prepared? I have, and I think I have answers for most, if not all of them. All right, away we go. First question comes from frequent listener and mailman with calves of steel, Joshua Jackson. <laughs> Joshua Jackson asks, is there a game you thought for sure that you thought you disdained, but upon playing ended up loving and vice versa? Was there a game you knew You'd love only to find out that you hated it. Corey, do you have answers for either one of those things? I have answers for both of these. Lay on, sir. Okay, so the game that... I, and I have to be honest about the first part, the disdain one. I didn't think I was going to, like, disdain this game, but I thought it was just going to be, like, an average, run-of-the-mill, you know, five-hour, linear, boring, you know, cut from the same cloth as a bunch of other games, shooter, that I ended up really falling in love with because it did... A lot of interesting, it is linear, but it did a lot of interesting story things that really kind of played on the idea of like, what is real? What is not real? Can you believe what you're seeing? It kind of like a do almost like a dual timeline kind of thing had a lot of, of really psychologically thrilling elements that I totally was not expecting from a shooter that I ended up loving from that description. Do you want to take a stab at what game I'm talking about? Oh, dude, I was trying to come up with something funny to make a joke out of it, but I have literally <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, this is none other than The Darkness 2. Oh, weird. Okay, all right, okay. So, okay, gotcha. You thought you were not going to like it, you ended up liking it, and you've actually talked about this before, so that one must have really left an impression on you. Yeah, it really did, Like, because I played the first Darkness, because the first one came out kind of like in the early years of the Xbox 360, and it was supposed to be like this big bad comic kind of open world shooter, you know, you have like your tentacles and whatever. And I played it and like, it was fine. You know, like I played it, it was fine. And then after I beat it, I really kind of forgot about it. And then the second one, kind of the big thing it had going for it was it had like a total graphical overhaul. It had this like kind of cartoony cell shaded look. And I didn't play it until several years after it came out because it came out and I thought, oh, it's just going to be another shooter. The first one wasn't that impressive, not really that interested, but it's like fantastic. Like not only is the action really well done, like just the moment to moment gameplay of like shooting and using like your tentacles and your special abilities, like really fun and really creative. Um, the story is like totally on point with the narrative and it's funny. Like there's so much funny in a weird way, like funny stuff that happens in the game where there's just like a lot of 
really sharp, like, you know, one-liners that people will give, or there's some kind of silly stuff that happens every once in a while, but it is, like, way sharper, way more, like, well-written, and, like, the action is way better than I expected it to be, so... Um, the Darkness 2 gets my award for the game that I thought would just be okay, but I ended up really loving. And what about the other one? Something you thought you would love to find out that you disliked? Um, this one, uh, the this was back when I was had just started reviewing games, and this is not for you. This was for a, a magazine that I was freelancing for in college called Vox Magazine, which was kind of like a capstone weekly magazine. Um, that it was like part of the journalism program, but it wasn't my capstone at the time. But I went on to be an editor for the magazine. Um, I had just started kind of freelancing for them and doing some video game reviews, and I got this game, and like. Uh, because it was, like, my first kind of round of, like, kind of professionally reviewing games for, like, a print, like, medium, I took reviewing very, very seriously. And whenever I got this game, I, like, I was living in my second apartment at the time, and I, like, tacked up blankets over the windows. I waited until the sun went down to play it, and I shut my bedroom door, and I sat, like, three feet in front of the TV, and I had my TV hooked up to, like, a stereo, like kind of like an old school stereo system at the time that had big speakers and I like turned them up and I was like ready to go all in and play this game and I was ready to be scared and I was ready to love it and I the developers had a pretty good pedigree beforehand that I was into and whenever I played it, I came out the other side of it thinking that it was really silly, that it was really boring, that the writing was awful, the story did not make any sense, and I just really did not like it coming out of the other end. I realize that's not a very specific description, but do you want to take any stabs at this one? I have literally no idea, dude. You, you said basically <laughs> nothing about the game. I know. I couldn't I couldn't say anything about the game. This is a good old Alan Wake on the Xbox 360. Uh... I thought for sure I was going to love that damn game. I loved Max Payne. I loved Max Payne 2. I realize they're entirely different games, but there was so much hype from E3 and like from PAX and the press coming up to the release of this game. I bought it on day one, thought I was going to love it, you know, put the blankets over my windows, was ready to be scared, ready to have intense action. And the game was just so stupid. Like it was just one like... Uh, scenario after another where the story has to come up with a stupid reason for you to be back in a forest because the only thing that Remedy knew how to do at the time was like make forests look good and then you're like fighting these like shadow monsters and you have to like shine your flashlight on them and then shoot them and like Alan Wake got healed by standing under street lamps but for some reason he couldn't just like shine his own flashlight in his face to heal himself and it was just like the stupidest <laughs> i'm so pissed off at the game i came out of the other side of it just thinking it was so stupid the story made no sense i did and it's one of those games that people really love like it's kind of like like spec ops the line where like there's like a cult following oh, and i hate i hate both of those games and i just don't get it i think they're dumb i don't get the stories i just don't i don't have that love for them like everyone else and Alan Wake, man, I thought I was going to love it, and I fucking hated that game. I did not hate Alan Wake, but I I didn't like it. And I got to say, I think the DLC is, like, the best part of Alan Wake. One of the final DLCs was pretty cool. Um, I didn't think the main campaign was very good. For, I mean, for all the reasons you mentioned and others. Apart from the fact that Alan Wake himself is a colossal fucking dick. He's, like, <laughs> one of the most unlikable main characters yes. I've ever played. <laughs> He's such an asshole to everybody that I fucking hated him. I just didn't want to save him. But the DLC was really good. And they did a, they did a standalone 
that was like American Alan Wake's Nightmare. American Nightmare. And it is good. I agree with you. That is a yeah. good DLC. Totally unexpected. That, yeah, actually pretty good. And the final DLC for the main campaign, which is like, I don't know what it was called, but it was like Alan Wake in the darkness or something. Like he was, he was like, it was like the post game kind of a thing. And that was actually pretty good too. But like the main game, I agree with you, is not great. Um, okay. Coming over to me. I, you know, honestly, I had, a, I, I, I took some time, Joshua, to really, I wanted to get some good answers for you. And I got to say, I just could not come up with anything that I thought that I would dislike. And then I ended up liking. And I'll tell you why. Because my time is like so limited these days that I have to be like super, super selective about what I play. And so if I see something that I feel like I'm just not going to click with, I've got like 500 other things that I think I probably would like. And so I usually just go with one of those. So for me to find something that I thought I would like and then I ended up not liking is way more common than for me to be like, oh, I'm going to. I'm planning on hate playing something and then to turn out that it actually, I like it. So I, I'm sorry, man. I could not come up with anything um, within recent memory where I, where I thought I would hate it. And I didn't cause I just don't play games that I don't think I would even like. So I, I, I whiffed on that one. I apologize. I do have answers for you. Otherwise um, I came up with a couple that I thought that I would really like only to find out that I come to hate them. <laughs> the first one uh, one of my biggest disappointments in several years, which we talked about at length here on the show, Below, uh, from Cappy oh, Studios. Oh, because you, like, bought your Xbox One for it. Yep. I literally bought my <laughs> Xbox One for two for two games. It was D... Was it D3 or was it D4? D4? Yeah, D4 and Below. So, like, 50% of the reason I even own a fucking Xbox One was for <laughs> Below. That game fucking sucked. And I was like, <laughs> it was top down, which I love. It was, you know, 2D, which I love. It was a roguelike, which I love. It was like exploration and dungeon crawling, which I also love. Like the aesthetic I love. I mean, literally everything about this game on paper was my shit. Like I should have loved this game. And it was so boring and so difficult and punishing and so unpleasant to play. I bailed out of it really quickly. And I was so disappointed. I was all ready to be like, yeah, game of the year is going to be my game of the year. It's going to be so good. I'm going to love it. Top 10 easily. And I fucking hated that game. Below was awful. The other one, I didn't think I was going to love it, but I thought I would really like it was uh, Fallout 4. I was a real big Fallout fan. I enjoyed Fallout 3 a lot. And then I played New Vegas. And I I mean, New Vegas is one of my favorite games of all time. I love New Vegas. That is a fucking marvelous game. Wonderful writing, wonderful quest. So interesting to play. So much stuff. New Vegas is a masterpiece. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, man, I'm up for more of that. I want, and I knew that it was different developers. I knew it was different writers. Like I knew that, but I'm like, I love Fallout, or I thought I did. And when I played Fallout Four, I was like, this is crap. Like this is really, really bad. Uh, I I missed being able to solve quests with something other than your guns. I didn't like the characters. I just didn't like anything about it. So Fallout 4 is something that I thought I would at least, I, I thought I would finish it. I thought I would play it. And I, oh man, I think I put maybe like four or six hours into it. And I'm like, fuck this game. Yeah. So that's another one that was really disappointing. Okay, moving on. A couple questions from Thief of Hearts on Twitter. Love Thief of Hearts. Good guy. Love the Thief. Uh, he says, what games or genres do you feel get a bad rap and are misunderstood? Corey? I can't really think of a genre for this, but I could think of one game specifically. And this is mostly just me being selfish because I liked it more than other people did. And um, the one that immediately came to mind was Mirror's Edge Catalyst, the sequel slash reboot slash whatever you want to call it for Mirror's Edge. Because back in the day, I think Mirror's Edge came out in like 2008 or somewhere in that time period. 
And it was like, you know, really beautiful. It's probably one of my favorite games of all time. I think it's absolutely stunning. I know the gameplay isn't like 100% there. And when Mirror's Edge Catalyst came out several years later, um, I got a review copy before um, the game came out. So I had it for like five days before it hit. And that was one of those games where like, as soon as you sent me the code, I downloaded it and started playing it like immediately because I loved the first one so much. And the fascinating thing, I know we've talked about this on the show before, but the fascinating thing about having review code for a game early is that you don't know what everybody else is thinking whenever they're totally, playing it because totally. you can't read reviews, you can't talk to friends about it because nobody else has it. And I played it and thought, like, God damn, this game is better than the original in every way. Like, you know, obviously the the story was a little bit dumb, but the story in the first game wasn't that great either. And, like, the visual design you know, was pretty on par with the first one because it had been done before, so it wasn't, like, some new, brilliant, visionary design. But, like, the idea that they took an open world and that you could run around the world in complete freedom to get where you needed to go, I thought it was brilliant, and that was, like, exactly what I wanted out of Mirror's Edge because, like, how are you going to give us a free-running game and make it a linear stage-by-stage game? Like, how much more boring can you get? And then this one going open world, letting you run around, I thought it was so great just the freedom of movement and the way it felt to move around and the obstacles and really having to be engaged as you go around the universe rather than just jumping in a car and holding r2 until you drive 15 minutes across the city i loved it and like i gave it like an eight or something and then the reviews hit and everybody was like oh the open world sucks oh it's not as good as the original oh the combat sucks the story sucks and i was like what fucking game were you guys playing? Like, this game's, like, better in almost every way than the original one, and it was just so bizarre, and I feel like that game got a bad rap because I'm sure there were a lot of people out there who liked the first one, and then when the reviews hit for the second one, almost everybody was like, oh, it's not as good as the first one, but I totally disagree. I mean, the first one is still great, but I think the open-world direction they took the second one in is everything that the first one should have been, and I just feel like I see it on sale for like $5 on the PS4 all the time on PSN sales. And I just like wish that more people would play it because I think it's excellent. And I think it got a bad rap when it came out. And I think it's glorious. And I think that they made a lot of good decisions in developing the second one. And it makes me sad that I was like the only reviewer who like really championed it at the time. It's funny you bring that up because I played the first Mirror's Edge. I liked it, didn't love it. And I thought about playing the second one, but like you were right, the reviews were horrible. So I passed it up. Um, but I know that my son loves first-person games. He loves parkour, so I got it for him. He actually just finished it, like, last week. He played ah. through the whole thing, uh, and he just really enjoyed it quite a bit. He he just really liked it a lot. So you were not alone in enjoying that game. And now that I saw him actually finish it, like, I was so surprised. Like, yeah, to finish the game. I'm like, what? He's like, I finished Mirror's Edge. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I finished it. I'm like, you finished, finished it? Yeah, I finished it. Like, credits are on the screen. I'm like, holy shit, you finished that game? So and he's kind of inspired me to come back to it. So I may pick it up the next time I see it on sale. And it's constantly on sale. So um, any other games or genres? Or should we uh, go to my turn? Um, I think, I can't think of any genres. And that's the only game I can think of right now. So you okay. can take the floor. Okay. I couldn't think of any genres either because... Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I, it's hard. I don't know. I, I think genres are genres. Either you like them or you don't. I, I don't know that they're misunderstood. So, Thief, if you have a genre that you think is misunderstood, I would love to talk about that and let us know. I was drawn a blank, so I let you down on that one. But I did have games that I thought got a bad rap and were misunderstood. The first one, which is the most 
A most undeserved bad rap and most misunderstood of all time, Metal Gear Survive. I'm sorry. This game, <laughs> people from across the world have like collectively taken the biggest shit on that game. And that game is great. In fact, you know, when I talk to people who write for game critics behind the scenes, there's a couple people that like every time they talk to me about anything at the end of the email, they, they add like and Metal Gear Survive sucks. <laughs> Like just for no, literally every time I talk to them because they know I love that game. And I was one of the very few champions of that game. Uh, They take, they don't miss an opportunity to let me know they think it sucks. And I'm sorry, but they're just fucking wrong. That is Metal Gear Survive is great. It is a great game. I'm not saying it's a great Metal Gear game because I think what people expect out of that genre, or I mean, it's not even genre, but like out of that series, what, you know, the Kojima bullshit, the wackiness, the weird code names, the misogyny, the weird stuff that people seem to really enjoy, the incomprehensible story, all the stuff that Kojima does well is not in Metal Gear Survive, and that's probably why they don't like it. But it's right there in the title. It's a survival game, Metal Gear Survive. If you come to it as a survival game, it's fucking great. It's really well done. It's really balanced, really good mix of survival aspects plus base building plus uh, combat. And I thought it was really interesting. A lot of cool challenges, a lot of uh, exploration that was really well done. I, I felt a lot of ownership for my base. I think Metal Gear Survive is fucking great. And if the uh, people who just can't unbunch their panties long enough to get over the fact that Kojima is not involved in this can't see what makes it great, well, that's, that's your loss. I mean, you're missing out on a great experience. I think that game gets a horrifically bad rap that is 100% not deserved. Um, the other one, which you've talked about a billion times, was I'll just throw this one in just for funsies. Uh, is Alpha Protocol. Um, I think that game is brilliant, wonderful, marvelous. It's one of the modern classics. Uh, and I think it gets a bad rap because it's really janky. Like, I can't excuse it. There's a lot of jankiness to that design. It's, it's difficult to play. And the first two levels are just trash. Like, they're garbage. Like, they're really bad. And I don't want to be that guy that says it gets better later. But, like, it genuinely <laughs> gets so much better later. It's a really I love Alpha Protocol. It's so good. Um, so I think that one gets a bad rap by a lot of people who played the first and second level bounced off it. And I understand why, but there's enough documentation and enough word of mouth out there to kind of clue you in that it gets much better later. And it's one of those ones that you really should invest the time in. If you are interested in game design, narrative design, um, espionage games or anything like that, it's really, really well done. I love Alpha Protocol. So Metal Gear Survived, Alpha Protocol, both of those get a really bad rap that they do not deserve. Uh, I thought for sure, just to take a second here, yeah, I thought yeah, for yeah, sure please. for the genre, I knew deep in my heart that you were going to say, like, big titty anime games and talk about Sinner and Kagura <laughs> for a second. I thought for sure you were going to talk about that. No, those games do get the rap they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Sinner and Kagura is like, is like one of the very few that actually i think justifies it but like most of them i'm like okay look you guys want to go fap to some stuff i mean that's what this game is <laughs> oh a lot of these God. games are really terrible they're really bad they're just really bad so i i no, i have no complaints about that one. Oh my god fap that's a word that i do not use ever and i need to really work it into my vocabulary <laughs> i just said it out loud there you go <laughs> oh god damn it okay okay uh, next question right. moving on moving on Corey. Corey. What games or genres that you haven't quite gotten, but you might like to someday? I have a pretty, I have a genre, I have a pretty weak answer to this, I think, because I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, like, of all the genres that I don't play, and honestly, like, a lot of them I don't really have, like, a need to, like, want to get into them, because I thought about, like, 
you know, like we were talked about Mortal Kombat recently. I thought about like fighting games, but like I don't really want, like I don't really care to get into fighting games. I thought about how I always talk about like roguelikes on the show and how I don't like them and I can never get into them and I don't, but I don't really feel any need to get into them. But something that I actually might like, if I can just find the right one, I think I might be able to get into it. And perhaps it's been in my living room this whole time because Patrick plays it all the damn time. But a competitive multiplayer game, because I don't play any competitive multiplayer games, and I feel like if there's one to get into, it's probably Overwatch. Patrick plays it all the time. Literally, the only time I play it is if he, like, is about to start a match and he has to get up and go pee, or, like, the oven goes off and he has to get the pizza out or whatever, and I just grab the controller and play it for, like, 30 seconds while he's up. And I just, like, competitive multiplayer games, I've never been into, I rarely have played them. The only time I was ever seriously into competitive multiplayer, I think, was when I was playing, like, Halo 2, when Xbox Live was, like, first a thing. But if I just find the right one, I might be able to get into it, but thus far, I have not had the determination to try, but maybe someday I will. Okay, that sounds like a good answer for genre. Do you have an answer for game or just genre? Uh, just genre. I don't think there's a game. I mean, if I could say a game, maybe like the Souls games or like Sekiro or something, but I know I've tried them and I know I already don't like them. But so I don't really think that's a very like, I don't feel confident in that answer. So I'm just going to stick with competitive multiplayer for the genre. Okay, that's totally fine. I'm going to take the opposite of what you did. I didn't have a genre because I have been playing games for so long. And I know Thief, I know that you are a longtime gamer as well. So I'm sure you can sympathize with this. I've pretty I've pretty well mapped out what I like and what I don't like. And if I wanted to get into something, I would have gotten to it by now. If I am not into it, it's because I'm pretty confirmed that I don't like it. So there's no genre that I'm really like, oh, I wish I could get into. Um, I mean, maybe like the Western computer RPG, but I don't know that I really want to get into that genre. I think there are just very specific titles that I would like to experience. I don't think I really want much to do with that genre, and which leads me to my actual answer. Um, the only game that I really have not been able to get into, and I've tried two or three times and never gotten into it, is Planescape Torment. I've mentioned this in the show before. It's, a, you know, people bring it up to me as, like, one of the most well-written games of all time. And uh, I really, I believe them. I mean, people who I trust, who are very smart, whose, whose tastes line up with mine and whose advice that I take, tell me this is my shit. And I'm like, I believe you, but... It's so old and the PC interface is so obscure and obtuse. And I just, I've tried it a couple times with mods, without mods and on the fucking PC, which, you know, I have to move heaven and earth before I'll be ready to play a game <laughs> on the PC, but I've tried it. I've tried it on the PC and I just, I can't play it. So that's probably the only game that I really want, want to get into. And I haven't been able to, but I may change my tune on that because there's been an announcement, I think just this week. Uh, I forget who it was, but somebody is bringing a whole bunch of these computer RPGs from back in the day and bringing them to console this year. Oh, um, like like Icewind Dale, uh, Planescape Torments, Baldur's Gate, like all that, like a lot of those like hardcore computer RPGs from back in the day that like all the old timers like really like wax philosophically about and you know like like whenever they quote something from back in the day like it's always one of those games like oh that was when games were the best and all those games classic 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 like i believe you but i was not a pc gamer back then and i've tried i just i can't get into them these days like i just i can't but if they're updating planescape torment giving it a full actual interface that's that's possible on console fixing those fucking bugs and just if they're if they're really going to give it a coat of polish I will legit give that game another go because I really want to get through that. Um, and I hope that that I hope that this is going to be my shot. I hope this is my shot because 
if this doesn't do it, then I'm just going to have to accept the fact I will just never play that game because I just, <laughs> I just can't. So there we go. Well, for uh, the love of God, I hope they do it with the original Deus Ex, too, because you and I have the same problems with oh, I know, dude, the original yes. one. If they could, like, somehow port that to, like, the Switch and update it, that would be, like, chef's kiss perfect for me. Oh, I, I really enjoyed the original Deus Ex. I bet you would like it if you could get past the interface. And that's exactly what people tell me about Planescape. You, Brad, you'd like it if you could get past the interface. Well, I can't get past the interface. <laughs> it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. So, all right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, really obscure question here. Favorite FMV game not made in the last five years? Corey, do you have an answer for this one? I have, to my knowledge, never played an actual FMV game. I have played... I have played... And, I mean, I might be forgetting. Maybe I have some traumatic past with one and I've just blocked it out. But I've played games that have, like full motion video cutscenes, but not like an actual FMV game that I know of. So I actually like, I think I have to pass on this one. Okay. Okay. No worries. I struggled this one with one, this one myself because I am not a fan of FMV games. And my first answers were going to be all things that were made in the, in less than five years ago. And I know like the was bunker and the bunker and, um, it's what was that shift. car, the car one night shift that I, I want to say it's night shift, but it's not night shift. It's something like Is it that. late shift, late shift. Yeah. That was excellent. The bunker was excellent. Those are going to be my two picks. I've said, I've talked about those before, but no, he wants something older than that. No problem. Uh, I had to do a little bit of Googling to refresh my memory, but I think that I'm going to go with Braindead 13 on the Saturn. Have you ever played that, Corey? No, I never had a Saturn or a Sega CD. Uh, this was a fully animated... So I guess I'm kind of cheating a little bit because it's not actual actors, but it is an FMV game uh, with hand-drawn animation. I remember the animation being very good, very stylized um, at the time, uh, really attractive looking and smooth. And you played like a person... I want to say that you were like a pizza delivery person who goes to a haunted castle... And then inside the castle, there's like, you know, an oversexed big titty vampire lady. There's like a mummy. <laughs> there's like a, a Frankenstein going on. And there's a mad scientist. And you're kind of like going through rooms, kind of doing that stuff. But the animation really made it stand out. Like it was very um, Saturday morning cartoon-like at the time. Um, I want to kind of go back to it now that I've been reminded of it and see if it holds up. And I believe it's on iOS. So oh. if you've got if you've got a uh, um, an iPad or something like that laying around, I believe it's on iOS. Uh, cause I, you probably don't have a Saturn laying around with a disc and that's probably a big ask for people, but iPad, you can probably do. So brain dead 13. I have very fond memories of that one. Um, like that one a lot. Very fun. I want to dig it up now. Uh, moving on this one, I will say up front, I don't have an answer for. So this one is all you, Corey. I'm sure you've got an answer for this. Thief of hearts, thief of hearts asks thoughts on if games like resident evil Two, the recent remake might encourage more classic survival horror quote-unquote, fight-or-flight mechanics uh, for future horror games instead of hiding games, like like recently Amnesia or At Last, like hiding has been the hotness lately. Should we go back? Uh, do you think Resident Evil 2 will inspire more fight-or-flight? Uh, or or, or will, will that also get us away from shooters? So are we going to leave shooters and hiders and go for fight-or-flighters? Or what do you think, Corey? I really hope so. Um, I think it's an unrealistic expectation for like the market as a whole to kind of like take hold of this Resident Evil 2 style survival horror game and run with it. Um, that being said, I hope so because I, Resident Evil 2 Remake is great. And I don't, I mean, I've been on the record about a million times saying that I don't really like the hiding games. The one exception I have to that is Soma 
because Soma has a story that really carries its weight and really um, has a lot of uh, sort of like impact and I don't know it's just very interesting and very mysterious and like the the environmental design is exceptional and all of those things but like with Outlast like that was a game that I kind of thought I would like too that I thought would really be up my alley but it ended up being just a hiding game you're either hiding from stuff or you're in these dumb chase sequences where you're like running from stuff and I I really would like for games for horror games to go in the Resident Evil 2 uh, kind of area because Resident Evil 2 has like the perfect mix of fight or flight whereas a game like Dead Space is basically like forces you to fight like Dead Space thinks that being a scary game means locking you in a room with 30 monsters and you having to kill them to unlock the room and get out and that's not um, fear that's actually like intensity I would argue and there's a space for that in games but I don't like that space uh, the dead space if you will um I prefer uh-huh. stuff like Resident Evil 2 where it's like, yeah, you can defend yourself. Yes, you have weapons. You're not overpowered, but the game rarely will like lock you in a room and be like, hey, you have to kill this stuff to get out. You can uh, kind of maneuver around them or you can dodge or, you know, you can shoot them if you want. It's more about like ammo conservation and being smart about the way you use ammo. I much prefer that to anything else in the horror genre. Um, I even totally game for something like um, one of my favorite survival horror games of all time, uh, Condemned Criminal Origins. Like that game is very melee based. Like you pick up pipes, you pick up wrenches, you fight stuff until your wrenches break. And it's kind of got the same thing. Like the the combat and Condemned is a little more forced on you because generally if there's an enemy in the area, you kind of have to kill it before you move on. Um, but it's never like an all out, we're going to lock you in a room with like 10, you know, drug addicts and make you fight all of them. Like that's not really a thing it does. Um, the second one does that a little bit, but I was um, afraid of that when I got those tacos, dude, I was afraid that was going to happen. Oh my God. Um, but I'm all for it. I would really like the genre to go in that direction, but I think that making a great survival horror game that has fight or flight mechanics that are similar to Resident Evil 2, it's a very difficult thing to do. I think it's a lot easier to make games where you're hiding. And I know none of this is easy. I don't want to pretend like the people that make Outlast put them out in like three months or whatever, but I think it's a lot easier and it requires less of developers to make a game that's about hiding or about running from stuff or about locking someone in a room with 30 things they have to kill that it is really getting the balance right on fight or flight mechanics so i don't predict that we'll see more but i would love nothing more than if we saw more excellent answer could not have said better myself thank you for uh carrying the the load on that one uh next question what do you think of the gaming year so far now that we're halfway in Anything you're looking forward to. So there you go. Corey, what do you think? Um, I actually have been doing a very bad job of keeping up with the gaming year so far. I know I'm usually the one that harps on about how I, like, have my list on my phone and I write everything I play in it. But I have written, like, three games that I've played in my list so far this year. I just have not really been keeping up with it. Um, Probably because I've been busier this year than probably in recent years. Um, But, I mean, so far, like, I've only played... I mean, the only game I feel like I've played that really, really stands out is the Resident Evil 2 remake. You know, I sort of went into the year thinking that maybe that would be my game of the year. And now that I've played it, I'm not sure that it will be my game of the year. Like, it's definitely amazing, but I think there's room for something else to, like, edge it out if something else that I play feels really special or really original. But that's sort of, like, the big one that I can think of that I've played this year that feels... um, like really special to me 
Um, and stuff I'm looking forward to, I meant to look up a list of like everything else that's coming out this year because off the top of my head, I know there's stuff out there that I'm looking forward to, but it's like, it's kind of like when you're playing a board game and like you can't think of the answer to the trivia question whenever somebody asks you, even though you know it. The only thing I can think of that I'm really looking forward to, and this might be a little bit of an off the wall answer, is um, uh, my friend Pedro that's coming out on PC and on Switch later this yeah, year. Yeah, pretty soon, pretty soon. Yeah, I'm like, every time I see a trailer for that game, it looks fucking bananas, and it looks amazing, and every time I see it, I just don't, I can't wrap my head around how I think it's going to control on the Switch, because I'll probably get it on the Switch, but it looks incredible. It's kind of like 2D Max Payne, in a way, for anybody that doesn't know. It's published by Devolver, so you know it's going to have their unconventional flavor that they come to whenever they pick a game, but it looks so good and i'm very excited to play it whenever it comes out good answer that one does look pretty crazy um i would say max Payne plus deadpool because it seems really like off the wall and nuts yeah um so what do i think of the gaming years so far um I, my answer is kind of going to mirror yours in that i i mean I, my overarching feeling is that i have been struggling to keep up with all the things that have been coming <laughs> out this year i've been doing my best to play the things that i think where my time would be best spent but God, man, there are just so many games. I know we say this like we sound like a total broken record, but there's so many games coming out. Every time I pick one thing to play, like 10 things pass me by and I keep a list and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to that next week. And then, I, you know, six weeks goes by. I haven't gotten back to it yet. And then a thousand other things have come out. So my overarching feeling of this year is like I'm struggling to keep up is what I'm is what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> I have played. A lot of good things. Uh, I, I was a really, really concerned because my top 10 list was blank for a long time. And uh, we're like halfway through the year. But it's filled up pretty well now. I don't have 10 games, but I've got a pretty good chunk of games that I feel like are, are pretty good. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about them again in December probably. And there's still plenty of year left to go. Uh, stuff that I'm looking forward to. This is a bullshit answer, but I'm going to give it anyway. I'm looking forward to Control from Remedy. Oh, uh, I am too. I am too. But but listen, this game, I hate Remedy's games. I hate <laughs> Remedy. I don't like any of their games, dude. I just, I legit don't. But I this game looks cool. And I think all their games look cool. And I thought the trailer was really nice. This is one where you're like a woman who's got some kind of psychic powers and some kind of a weird portal-esque science facility or something like that. It looks cool, and it's going to suck. It's going to be a terrible game. Oh. I'm going to hate it. But I really am looking forward to playing it because I'm hoping against hope they finally get one right. For me, anyway. I know I know Remedy has fans. I'm not a fan, but I still am looking forward to that one. Uh, looking forward to The Sinking City, which is another Lovecraft kind of a... I don't know if it's open world necessarily, but kind of a, a city full of Lovecraft weirdos and your horror and, I mean, solving some crimes or something. Uh, looking forward to that one. I love all the Lovecraft games. I check them all out. Uh, and your, really, the number one game on your list is definitely Death Stranding, right? Oh, God. You know, <laughs> fuck Kojima and fuck that game, but I'm totally going to play it anyway. Like, we're both going to play it on day one. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, if any, if you have anything to do with gaming, it's on your radar. You want to check it out. It's, I mean, hearing more about the game has gotten me curious. And, you know, it's, it's not like Kojima is not a smart guy. I mean, he's come up with some really great ideas. He just needs a little bit of supervision and I'm a little bit concerned that it's going to be batshit crazy, but you know, that might be okay. I'll check it out. I'm not, I'm not super looking forward to it, but I will guaranteed play it for sure. Uh, looking forward to uh, code vein, which I talked about on last week's show, although we haven't talked about it yet because we're in the time <laughs> loop. I will talk about it in the future, but for people listening, I talked about it last week. And one thing also, um, 
going back just one second, another game that I, I really want to get into, but I never have, in addition to Planescape Torment, is um, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, also a PC game. That's probably the only other one I want to get into and never did. And I bring that up because uh, something I'm looking forward to is they are reviving the Vampire the Masquerade license. Uh, there's going to be a big one that's kind of like a sequel to Bloodlines, which a lot of people are hesitantly excited about. But there's also going to be another game that's coming to, I think, the Switch and the PS4. Um, so I've always kind of like been on the periphery of that franchise. I've never been like a real like vampire dude, but I kind of appreciate some of the things that the genre does. And I have heard so many good things about this as a IP that I kind of want to check it out. So yeah, those are the games I'm looking forward to. But again, E3 is literally this coming week. We will have a thousand games to talk about uh, by the time you've heard this show. We will already probably be recording the E3 show, so we'll have a much, much, much more stuff to look forward to and be excited about. But that's what I got right now. Um, last question coming from Thief of Hearts. And Thief, thank you for all these questions. What do you think is the secret of Monkey Island? Corey, what is the secret? <laughs> um, I would think that maybe the secret of Monkey Island is that the monkeys were figments of our imagination the whole time. That is a good question. That is a good answer. Good answer. Uh, my answer, I think the secret of Monkey Island is that unripe bananas are better for eating and fully ripe bananas are better for recipes. That's my answer. Oh, okay. All right. They, those are the questions from Thief. We have more questions. Uh, coming from one of our recent uh, free game winners, Tony Para. Uh, he says, what was the first console you played and what was your favorite or most played game on that console? Corey, your answer, sir. Hmm. I know... I know that the first game or the first console I played, I think was the Atari 2600, but I can't remember. I was so young that it was either Centipede or Asteroids. Okay. Okay. I think because I like my formative memory reflects fondly back on the Nintendo NES because that was like the one that I remember playing. But I know that I played the Atari first, and I think it was Centipede that I probably played more than anything. Okay, good answer. That is also my answer, the Atari 2600. Um, I, I also struggled with having a favorite game. It was probably either River Raid or Combat. Um, but I will tell you, I very clearly remember the games that I hated, <laughs> which were E.T., The Extraterrestrial, which was trash, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was equally bad. E.T. gets all the hate, but I got to tell you, Raiders was just as bad as E.T. was. Um, it was awful. And I know a lot of people quote Adventure as being like a cool first kind of RPG. I thought that game was garbage. It was so garbage. <laughs> Impossible to understand what to even do in that game. It was just awful. Uh, so thank you for the questions, Tony. Next questions come from a new listener, uh, Parker. Comes uh, comes us by handle of at underscore cold bloom on Twitter. This is Parker is one of my really good friends who lives in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. And that's where I'm going to be there next week on my business trip. So I'm actually going to, by the time this show is out, I will have seen Parker in person for the first time in like five or six years. Um, but yes, yeah, so thank you, Parker, for sending in the questions. Okay, I didn't realize this was that Parker. So hello, Parker. Nice to finally get a question from you. Thanks for listening to the show, if you're listening. Uh, two questions, he said. We'll do the first one first. How often do you clean the guts of your PC, Corey? <laughs> I, so when I read this question, like I feel like there's two answers here. One is more of like a metaphorical answer of like, 
how often do you like delete stuff on your hard drive and uninstall games from Steam and kind of do like a deep clean to um, to like you know kind of get rid of memory restricting stuff and then the like the literal answer would be like how often do you like take apart your tower case and like take a Swiffer around inside of it so I don't know I Parker I because Parker I mean. He's a strange but wonderful person, and um, I don't know. Um, I don't know which one. What what the question is? So I'm gonna try to answer both of them. So um, the interesting thing is that is like for the metaphorical answer, um, I would say that I actually just bought a another portable hard drive. I know I talked to like probably about a month or two ago about buying a portable hard drive to like copy back up all my pictures onto. But I just bought another portable hard drive to back up all of my, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but whenever I sort my photos, I have like every single picture that I ever take, I put into a folder. And then all of my like good enough pictures, I will copy into a second folder. And then those are the ones that I'll put in editing software to, um, to edit. And so I have a lot of photos that are just sitting in folders that are just taking up space. And so I bought a portable hard drive to copy all of those folders, the, the folders that have all the pictures onto the hard drive. And I think I cleared up, and this just happened like a couple weeks ago, which is why I'm thinking about it. I think I cleared up like 800 gigabytes worth of data off the computer by copying all that stuff onto the hard drive or on the portable hard drive, and then I deleted it. Um, so Parker, I don't know. That's the first time I've done that in the two and a half years we've had the PC. So I don't know if that counts. As far as cleaning like the physical space of the PC, um, I don't do that because that's it's technically like Patrick's PC. So if he wants to do that, he can like open it up and I guess, I don't know, do whatever you do in the tower case. So I don't really have an answer for that one. So I'm just going to go with like the sort of like the metaphysical answer about cleaning stuff off the hard drive itself. All right. As for me, um, I thought he meant the, the latter rather than the former, but I'll answer both. As far as cleaning the data and stuff, never. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I have enough <laughs> files to, to need to clean things off. Every once in a while, I'll empty my, my recycle bin, but that's about as far as it goes, so I don't do anything other than that. Uh, as far as cleaning the guts of my PC, I've done it maybe once. I've had this computer for maybe the current computer I have. I think I've probably had it for maybe three years, and I've cleaned it once, although I think about it a lot, but I don't do it that often because it's a pain in the ass. And the compressed air canister that I used to clean is empty, and I'm too lazy to go to the store and buy a new one. So I should probably do that again. Um, second question from Parker. Who is a musical artist you haven't heard anything from in a while and would love to hear from them again something new? Uh, my answer for this, which will maybe, well, I can't say it will never happen, but one of my favorite bands that I listened to a lot in college was called inner party system and that's all like one word and it was they used to be four dudes and then one of the guys left a band and then they were a trio for their second album and they kind of broke up probably like five or six years ago and they've all like two of them have kind of gone on to do pretty um pretty successful side projects like one guy is now kind of like an edm artist he was the guitarist in the group and now he's an edm artist and he tours he's not like super famous but he like tours the world and is able to support himself from it so that's certainly successful enough and then the other guy, um, who was the drummer in the band, is now part of a musical outfit, a duo called Black Caviar. And 
Uh, I really like Black Caviar's music. They do a lot of remixes, and they actually, the song um, Hello Danger from, or What's Up Danger from Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, yeah. Um, is Black Caviar, and it's but they usually feature R&B artists on their tracks because the two guys that are in it are just producers. Like, they don't sing or rap or anything. So they had, like, a guy on the track, so you would, like, kind of think that it's the rapper's song, but it's actually Black Caviar's song. So that, like, really took off for them, even though... The funny thing about that song is that I actually think it sounds nothing like any of their other music. So I was shocked whenever I discovered that that was the song from the movie that they did because their other stuff is just a little bit groovier to me and it's a little bit less uh, rap heavy. Um, But what I would love nothing more is for them to come together, even if they just did like a few songs together because the singer in the group, I have no idea what what he's doing. His name is... uh, Patrick, um, I can't remember his last name. I think it starts with an N. It's like Nis- Nisley or something. Um, he, I have no idea what he's doing. I don't know if, like, he doesn't post anything on social media. None of the other bandmates have posted about him, like, joining another band. Like, for all I know, he could be, like, working at a 7-Eleven or something right now. But the other two have moved on to musical ventures. But I would really like for the three of them to come back together and either just like release a song or a few songs or something because I really miss Inner Party System because they sounded like, I don't know, it was kind of like a Depeche Mode meets Nine Inch Nails and I really liked the sound. It was really groovy and like a lot of the songs are about like anti-capitalism and they just have like messages that are a little bit deeper than like, you know, like, oh, loving somebody and losing love or whatever. Um, and I really would like for Enterparty System to come back together, but I don't think that will ever actually happen. Cool, cool, cool. As for me, um, I don't listen to a ton of music, but I do like music and I listen to some. Um, I think the artist I would like to hear something from is Freeze Pop. Have you ever heard of them? No. They, I did. It's so, it's kind of a weird story. I don't know their whole story, but I know that they were kind of like developer, like game developers. And then they formed a band, or maybe they were a band, and then they became developers. I don't know which way it went, but, like, they were kind of, like, developing games. I I want to say that, like, at least some of them worked at Harmonix um, a while ago. I could be wrong. Uh, I meant to Google this before we got on the show. Of course I didn't, because this is so video games. We don't do that here. <laughs> don't do that here. Uh, but I, it's funny, because I actually interviewed them as a band a million years ago for Game Critics. It was, like, the weirdest thing. We just, like got in touch with this PR person and for whatever reason this PR person thought that like they should do an interview with us because we were a game critic review site and they were kind of making games but not really and they were making a they were being a band and they were playing music and it was just I don't know why that even happened but I ended up interviewing them on the phone like I actually talked to them like in person not not in person person but like you know like vocally over the phone rather than doing some kind of like email interview and they were super cool to talk to like it was a fun conversation and um, I genuinely like their music, which is the reason I agreed to do it, because I listened to them before I agreed to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are pretty good. This is nice. Um, they do kind of like EDM kind of dance. Um, they were kind of famous for a while because they had one or two of their songs kind of take off in like nerd music circles like um, that would play at like PAX and stuff. And so they got pretty big like in, in those areas. And they were kind of well known because the lead singer, I think her name was like Liz Enthusiasm. She sang with, like, a totally, like, monotone voice, which I thought was actually kind of cool. <laughs> um, they haven't done anything for a while. I think the last time they put out an album or anything, I think, was at least four or five years ago. And I don't know if they just broke up. Did they just get busy with game development? Do they hate each other now? I don't know what happened. <laughs> but Freeze Pop is really cool. I introduced my son to them a couple months ago, and he really likes them, too. So a new album from Freeze Pop would be amazing. 
Thank you for the questions, Parker. We're in the tail end of questions here. Uh, let's see. We got some from Elijah Bame, who is a very likable, lovable, charming, strange bird who used to be very active at Game Critics. He is less active at Game Critics now. He's doing other things, but we still love that guy. He sent us a, a, a bunch of these. We're going to go through them pretty quickly. Uh, he says, how is Waldo? How, uh, <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, sorry. I'm fucking it up already. Sorry, Elijah. He says, how is Waldo, which I assume is Waldo. Where's Waldo? So how, how is Waldo? Uh, he's probably feeling pretty lonely because nobody can find him. Yeah, yeah. He like he you know he's he's always surrounded by people, but like doesn't have a lot of connections. Um, you know, alone in a crowd, it's a very tough feeling to deal with. So I feel bad for Waldo. That's how Waldo is. Uh, Corey, are they Johnny's cage or are they Johnny Cage's? Um, I'm gonna go with Johnny's cage just because every time I think about this, I think about how. Whenever you go to Burger King, if you order more than one Whopper, it's Whoppers Junior instead of Whopper Juniors, and I really like that. Um, so I'm gonna go with Johnny's <laughs> oh, Cage on this one. Oh man, we are in agreement on so many things, but I am 100% opposed to you on this one because it fucking <laughs> drives me you? nuts. I whenever people are like attorneys general or some shit, like I'm like, it's like that's not where the S goes, you motherfuckers. It goes on the end. What are you doing? Like on the Josh and Jay uh, podcast, which is uh, no longer in existence, but I, that was one of my favorite podcasts of all time. I, I miss it so much. They had this running thing where they would talk about the attorneys general like all the time because the S was in a <laughs> fucked up place. Oh, God, it was crazy. So shout out to Josh and Jay. If you guys are listening, you're probably not. Shout out to Rowan Kaiser as well. He was on that show. I love that show. I miss that show so much. Uh, I am fully on the Johnny Cages because the S for plural must go at the end. I fucking hate it when the plural for the S goes in the middle. So that's where I fall on that one. Uh, next question. Is the industry ever going to get over third-person linear cinematic action fests? Corey? No, because they appeal to the most broad common denominator of gamers. Absolutely agree. They shouldn't go anywhere. I love them. They should not be the only games we get, but those are never going to go away. That's like saying, are sandwiches ever going to go away? Is, is, is... <laughs> Is like, I don't know, like a rainbow ever going to go away? No, you need those things. You got to have those things. Those things are vital to life. Uh, I don't want that to be the only thing, but those things are not going to go away. Uh, let's see. Why is Sonic the Hedgehog still an active franchise? Why is Bubsy, Corey? Um, I mean, the only reason here is because people are obviously still buying the games. So as long as enough people are buying them, unless there's just some like wacky billionaire out there that's like funding... The, whatever development company the games move on to every time, even though like 16 people buy the games whenever they come out, there's got to be enough demand out there for the games to still be coming out or else they would not still be coming out. I mean, I think I basically agree with you. I think the only reason is that there are very few kid-friendly IPs these days. Mm. We, we got really grim and gritty for a while and we got really dark. And as a, speaking as a parent, let me tell you, it's hard to find something that is safe for your kids to play unless you go to like the really like obvious shovelware crap. I mean, if you want to find something that's good, really, really tough. And I'm not saying Sonic is good, but I think a lot of people remember Sonic. Like people who grew up with Sonic are parents and have kids now. And so they, I bet they probably associate it with being a safe, fun kids game. And also Sonic as a character, I mean, he's pretty visually appealing. I think kids like the way he looks. He's had a couple of cartoons that have been pretty good. 
I think Sega's done a good job of keeping the IP alive, even if his games have been fucking garbage. <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, that's a mystery, but I think we're kind of on the edge of solving that mystery. I can kind of see why it's still around, even though I agree that it shouldn't be around. Bubsy, on the other hand, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know why anybody's bringing that up. Th- those games were never good. They're not good now. Um, I don't think we need another cartoon mascot uh, right now, so Bubsy should just go away. Corey, your thoughts on the Game Bender portable console? Is this the one with the crank? It is the one with the crank. I think... uh, I don't want to say anything because I'm going to sound like a jerk. I think that... Okay, we're going to go back. We're going to take a step back here to the wrestling and Godzilla thing because I think that this console is interesting and i'm like pretty glad that it exists and it's like quirky and whatever but whenever like that edge cover story came out and it was like shown and it was like oh here's this quirky new handheld with a black and white screen and like a fucking crank on the side like i you know was thinking like oh okay that's kind of neat and then like everybody on twitter was like oh my god this is the best thing i've ever seen oh that's exactly what the market needs and i was like why is everybody getting so excited about this like i I just like could not believe that like everybody was so pumped about this and maybe it's just like me speaking as like a jaded like 30 year old gamer but i was like oh this is like a fun novel thing like haha and then everybody just like lost their shit and i was like wow like people are really excited about this so like I do think it's cool, and I'm excited that, like, a lot of, like, pretty, like, famed indie devs are on board, and they have a bunch of stuff in the works and all that and everything. Um, I am nervous as heck that every... Because one of the marketing points on it is that, like, it fits in your pocket. That crank is going to freaking break off whenever you try to put it in your pocket. Like, unless... That's something I'm worried about, and I'm not just trying to be a jerk when I say that. Like, that thing is hanging off the side, unless it's, like, very firmly, like, screwed on, or it's, like, very legitimately made like in you know a very strong way like that crank is going to be flying off that thing in no time or it's going to get caught on a door handle when you're walking out a door or it's going to fall out of your pocket or something stupid is going to happen and that crank is going to fly off and the console's not going to work anymore so like i really hope i mean i'm sure the people behind it have thought this through and that they've you know been testing it or whatever but I'm a little concerned about the crank, and I'm also, like, I was just not expecting the level of excitement that came out whenever this debuted, but I'm I'm excited to see kind of where it goes and what happens with it. I don't have any thoughts on it right now. <laughs> I saw it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And, I mean... I mean, I, I, mean, I have hesitancy because people making a piece of hardware that are not a big company, I think already has a lot of problems when it comes to how many you can make, quality control, quality of the actual design. I mean, it seems like a weird kind of fun indie thing. And the crank is getting everybody's attention because it's so weird and unconventional. And I mean, if there's good games on it, cool. I just I just don't have any real thoughts. I'm just like, well, I guess I'll just see where this is going because it came out of nowhere. I don't, I don't know enough about it yet. I haven't read up on it. Um... And I, I mean, honestly, like, I'm just in love with the Switch right now. I don't think I need a second handheld right now. But if it's cool, I mean, I'll check it out. If there's good games, I'll check it out. But, I mean, I, I share your concerns about the build quality of it and about, like, you know, is this going to be, like, Ooyah Part 2 or something? So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I don't have any real firm thoughts on it, though. Um, Let's see. Next question. Best game OST soundtrack. Uh, Corey, any, any suggestions for best game soundtrack? 
I think I'm gonna have to, man, this is a tough one. And I actually, the funny thing for me is that I'm caught between two and they're both by the same musical artist. So I'm gonna just declare a tie because I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pick one. But it's a tie between Machinarium and Samros 3, both developed by Amanita Design. And a guy who goes by the name Floex, F-L-O-E-X, his real name is Tomas Dvorak. He uh, did the scores for both games. They both sound very similar, which is also kind of why I'm lumping them together. But they're just really just beautiful, whimsical soundtracks. They feature a lot of clarinet because he's a clarinetist, which is not like a bold instrument that you hear a lot in OSTs. And I really love both of them. They're great for writing music, for if you're just chilling out or if you're driving, you kind of need like some cool, like chill instrumental music. I just really like them. And I think they're very, every song is well done. And something that I like about most of the songs on both soundtracks is that there's always like one sort of like pivotal like payoff moment in every song but like the very slow crescendo that gets you to that payoff moment it's just like worth it the entire time and then the payoff is never not good even if you've listened to the song like 35 times and then it just like decrescendos from there into the next song and they're beautiful i like both of those very much good answers good answers i'm gonna have to pass on this one because it has been years and years since I have bought or listened to a game soundtrack. I'm not saying I don't like them. I do. I mean, I think some game music is great. If someone's got it on, I usually enjoy it. Um, but I cannot give you an honest answer because it has just been so long since I have listened to anything game-related music-wise. I mean, like I said before, like I say many times, I don't listen to music that much to begin with. And when I do, it's I just have a couple of favorite things that I come back to when I'm like doing paperwork and none of it is game related. So I do not have an answer. I'm sorry. Uh, final question from Elijah Shepard. <laughs> I am commander Shepard and I approve this pod. This is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Absolutely. This is my favorite podcast on the Citadel and I'm speaking <laughs> as Fem Shep just to be clear. So are you, are you bro Shep or are you Fem Shep, Corey? I, I play as Fem Shep, but to counter you, I will be bro Shep for this okay all right there we go thank you for those questions elijah uh next one we're almost out of questions two questions left last one comes from peyton which i assume is your friend peyton and his last name i i've seen this last name a lot of times it comes from it comes from the south i don't know how to pronounce it how That's do you true. pronounce his last name i want you to try to pronounce it so i can laugh at you I mean, I would I would say something like Eber, something like that. Is that that's, how it is? Or? That's close. It's so for people at home, it's spelled H E B E R T, which you might think maybe Hebert if you don't know anything else. Um, but you know, Louisiana has its own Cajun, you know, Southern dialect or what have you. It's actually Hebert. Okay, I wasn't too far off. That was pretty close. You were not too far off. So good job. Okay, cool. So Peyton says, what would you like to see the podcast grow into? Which is actually kind of a deep and heavy question. Yeah, that is a not question. Was not expecting to see this one come <laughs> come out of Louisiana. So I guess, what do you think, Corey? Um, well, I don't really want the podcast to grow into anything. Like, I, something that I value about this podcast and something that I kind of value, this is, this is something I value, but it's also something that maybe shows like a lack of planning and a lack of maybe insight or foresight in my own life is that a lot of the hobbies that I have, I don't, I don't really want to actively work to like monetize them or make them a huge business or like be like the most famous person on the planet that does that thing. Because sometimes when I do something, I just want to do it for fun. I don't always believe in the idea of, you know, when you have a hobby and somebody's like, 
oh, well, do you want to turn that into a business? Or, oh, well, how are you going to make money from that? And it's like, well, making money is not always the answer. Like growing, you know, a huge audience or having merch or monetizing or whatever, like that's not always the end goal. And that's how I feel about this podcast. Like we've said about a million times in the podcast before, like the reason, I mean, obviously we record and produce the podcast for an audience. And I, I'm, I think I speak for both of us whenever I say that we're grateful for that. But you know, I do like just spending two to three hours a week just linking up with you talking about what we're playing. You know, sometimes we play, I mean, most of the time we play different games. So, you know, sometimes I'll get ideas about stuff that I want to play if you sound something that sounds particularly interesting. Um, or, you know, you'll get codes for us to play games together and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, I like what's happening with the podcast and I don't really, I don't, like really want it to grow into anything. I just like the way it's happening because I feel like if you and I, you know, kind of hatched up some like master plan for the podcast to like, you know, be like bigger or, you know, cater to some other audience or try to like really grow our listener base or, you know, like really try to like capitalize and monetize on it. I just feel like I wouldn't want to do it anymore. Like it wouldn't really be fun or it would be too much work. And we both know that you and I already have a lot going on in our lives anyway. So if we like really tried to turn this into something other than just kind of like a casual passion project, I feel like it would, you know, kind of maybe turn into a nightmare. Like I would be fine with earning money from the podcast or something like that, or, but I wouldn't really want to work super hard to make that happen because I just like what's happening now. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of my answer, but that also kind of reflects on, because obviously I know Peyton, you don't, and I feel like that reflects on sort of like his personality. Cause he's the kind of person where like, he always kind of has a plan, you know, like he, he's kind of, he's the kind of person where I feel like if he, if he gets into a job interview and somebody's like, oh, well, where do you want to be in five years? He'll be able to like, tell you like down to a T, like every single thing that he wants to be doing in five years and like everything that he wants to do to get there, which is not a bad thing. Cause obviously there's something to be said for having a plan. And then me on the other end, I'm just like, uh, you know, whatever happens today happens, whatever happens tomorrow happens. Like I, you know, I have ideas of stuff I want to do, but I'm not like a firm, you know, five year or three year plan kind of guy. So I think that question kind of reflects on kind of his personality as well as just genuinely asking us about what's going on. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate the question. It's something that we don't usually talk about or, or tackle on the show. So that's, I like being challenged in that way. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like I don't, really want to see it grow into anything because i like i like the groove we're in because i you know we we have just enough time every week to get it done i think if it was more involved i don't think that we would have the time to get it done and i definitely am not looking to pile more things onto my busy schedule i know you're fairly busy as well so mm -hmm. i like the fact that we found a pretty good niche we got a pretty good rhythm i feel like the show is kind of what we thought it would be uh more or less when we kind of started out i mean i know we were kind of finding our rhythm and kind of finding what worked and what didn't, but I feel like we were in a pretty good groove and I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, I think, um, uh, the only things, no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that people listen. I'm grateful that, um, we have fans. I'm grateful that we get some interaction. I'm grateful that people give us questions when we do Q and A shows. I mean, I'm just grateful just that, that people take time out of their lives to listen to what bullshit we're going, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're pouring in their ear holes and you know, that they listen to what we say and that, you know, we have these interactions. So I think that's really good. I think the only thing, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you, Corey, but oh, I have no. this this deep, dark fantasy. I know, I don't know if you'll ever go along with this, but <laughs> I have this dark fantasy that like someday, not now, it's got to be like maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, we'll have enough of a following 
that if I got a pitch to go have a panel at PAX, like we could actually do like a live podcast from PAX oh, or something like that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That would be cool. We don't have the audience for that now because we have a wonderful audience, but they're scattered like globally. We've got like three people in Denmark. We got like a couple of cool dudes in Brazil. We've got like somebody in Iran. You know, we've got people in America and Canada and England. And I think we've got a great audience. I love everybody in our audience, but I think that they're really global. And if we were to do a PAX panel, I mean, I got to be honest with you, dude, I'd be pretty... I'd be pretty horrified that there'd be like like two people there and then I'd be like, hey, are you a fan of the show? They'd be like, no, I thought this was the other panel. <laughs> and so we would have like nobody show up for a panel. But I would like to like at some like five years now, ten years from now, if we get enough of an audience, I would love to do just like once, just you and me up on a on a table recording a live show, taking questions from the audience, talking about whatever. I think that would be pretty fun. That's probably the only long term goal I have for the show. Otherwise, I am like totally content with where we're at and i just i think we're in a good zone so that's where i'm at would you do that in five years ten years would you do that yeah i would get on board with that like if we had the opportunity to do you know like a live show or you know something that i also think would be fun but this is more this is also like a space thing is like i wish that you and i could like physically be in the same room to record every show like that would be really cool but obviously that's not really i don't know if that's something that the show can grow into because that would require like us to live in the same city or you know pretty close to each other um, yeah. So that would be cool. But I think a live podcast would be really fun. Uh, the only thing I worry about is like, you know, if you do like a live show, you kind of have to have like, I feel like you would have to have a topic that you're like an expert on to talk about. And I don't feel like I'm an expert at anything. So I would be scared to pitch like, oh, well, Brad and I want to bring this show to PAX. And this is like, you know, the big discussion we're going to talk about on stage. Cause I don't know what like you, I'm sure there's stuff out there, but I just, I'm scared to think of like the topic that we would try to like handle, you know, for something like that. Well, you're selling yourself short, Corey, because you are an expert on something. And the thing that you're an expert on is Corey Motley. We could just be ourselves in front <laughs> oh, of a crowd. God. But talking about myself is like my least favorite thing to do. We could just do a regular show, and I think that we're just charming enough as it is, handsome and charming, and people would just be into it. And you know, I mean, think about how egotistical is that, right? What an ego I have that I think that me just being in front of a stage would be automatically entertaining to people. Ah, I'm such a monster. I am crazy, crazy to think that. Uh, okay, last question, final question of this interim banter show while Corey's on vacation comes from a guy named Patrick. I think oh, you boy. may have met him, Corey. I have no uh, idea who this is. He may actually be your husband. Mm. And he says... <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> he says, how fantastic are your wonderful spouses? Feel free to discuss at length. Corey, Corey Motley, what do you think of your wonderful spouse, Patrick? Oh, my God. Um, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. Oh, that is the most Corey Motley answer ever. <laughs> the thing that kills me is like... He's not going to listen to this. So, like, <laughs> like, he never listens to the show, which doesn't really matter to me. Like, I don't need him to, like, be a part in all my creative endeavors. Like, I'm glad, obviously, that I, like, have his support and everything. But, you know, I could get on here and be like, oh, my God, he's the best husband. I could never could never love anybody else. And he's my rock and my second half. Or I could just be like, yeah, he's a great partner that I'm glad I'm with. And it doesn't make a difference because he's not going to listen to this. Uh, but maybe he'll tune into this episode. You never know. You well, never know. So. I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's that sounds great. Uh, he sounds like a wonderful guy. I mean, I've met him. I know he's a wonderful guy. I know Patrick. I mean, I don't know him very well, but I know we're going to get to know each other when we finally make it down to fucking Louisiana. We keep talking yes, about please. that, by the way. Yes, we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, as far as my wonderful spouse Gina, she is truly wonderful. Uh, she 
I'm so glad that we met, you know, and I often, I often tell her, you know, I wish that we had met when we were younger, um, because I would like more time with her and I wish that we had started sooner. We would probably have more kids. We would have had a lot more sex. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we're still having sex now, but I mean, you know, we didn't meet until we were, I mean, I was, I want to say I was 26 or maybe 28 when we met something like that. So we could have been having like all that like super powered, like jet fuel, like when you're still like haven't quite yet hit your physical maturity sex, which is the best sex when you can, you know, Oh my God, you were like, you hadn't had that yet when you were like 28. I feel like I was burnt out on sex when I was like 24. No, you know, that's a long story. We should probably save this story for a different, (laughs) a different podcast. But I will say that although I have been a serial long term commitment kind of a guy, um, the people that I have ended up being with, the partners I've ended up being with, have been very reserved in that sense. And so, I mean, part of that was why uh, my first wife and I broke up. And the second person that I was with for a long time, she was just a psycho. So that was kind of just not healthy or happy. Um, so, yeah, if we had met, and because we are both very much on the kind of the same sexual page, that would have been good. We're on the same page about kids. We probably would have like 16 kids because uh, we both love being parents. I mean, you know... it that's the kind of woman she is. I wish that we had met earlier. I wish we would have more time together. I wish we could have spent more of our lives together. Cause I just, I really love her so much and she's so perfect and so perfect for me. And I just, I just love everything about her. Um, but at the same time, the thing that I say after that every single time is I'm kind of glad that we didn't meet sooner because if we did, I don't think that we would be the people that we were when we met. So Ooh. I, you know, by the time that we met, I had been through, um, a lot of ups and downs i had had some pretty serious like shit go down which was really scarring and destructive and i was kind of rebounding from things and i needed someone to kind of like help me find my place in the world again and that was her and she had been through like almost the exact same thing like even though we were from different parts of the country we'd never met each other um before we met but like our life stories were really parallel in a lot of ways like a lot of like really shitty dysfunctional relationships people treating us badly and so by the time that we had met we each were very clear about what we wanted and we were both each very clear about seeing those things in the other person. So like when I saw her, I don't know if I've ever shared the story before, but like when I saw her, um, I, I liked her immediately. I mean, I, you know, like, Oh, it's like, Oh, she's, you know, she's cute and she seems funny and she seems like a good person. You know, we went out a couple times. Um, but we were married like six months after we met. So like, we met, we moved in together almost immediately. And it just like clicked. Like we just, I just knew like this was right. Finally felt like after all the wrong turns, this was the right one. She felt the same way. And people thought we were crazy for getting married so soon, but it's been like 14 years and we are super happy and we love each other. So I'm glad that we met and I'm glad that we met when we did. And I, you know, in a fantasy world, I think having more years would have been great. But at the same time, I, I like who we were when we met. So anyway, my wife is wonderful. I have talked at length, so Patrick got his answer. Uh, and I think that brings this uh, interim banter Q&A show to a close. Anything you'd like to bring up before we wrap it up, Corey? Um, I don't think so, other than obviously thanking everybody for sending in your questions. Thanks for sending in games and not games-related questions, because this is sort of our open forum for anything you want to know about us of course i mean and keep in mind you can always send us questions um oh anytime anytime yeah, about anytime. anything yeah about anytime. anything but uh but thanks everybody for sending in stuff because 
we were able to, if you hadn't sent in questions, we might have not had a show this week because right now I'm in Salt Lake City. I'm on a business trip slash vacation after the business trip. So there was no way in hell I was going to be able to like discord with Brad while I was out of town. So thank you for sending in the questions. And because you did, you have the show to listen to right now. Exactly. So you've got yourself to thank for this, or I guess yourself to blame, I suppose, whichever way you <laughs> want to go with that. But yeah, thank you guys all very much for your questions. Uh, really appreciate the audience engagement. I really love that. It's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. And we will be back next week with a regular Standard So Video Games episode when Corey gets back from vacation. So I guess uh, that's it from us, right? I think that is. All right, guys. Thank you for being here on this non-standard episode, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys.